Hello, and welcome back to Deep Fried Thoughts, where we talk about whatever is currently frying on my mind. Today's episode, we have a special guest, Vinny Sulak. That's not Vinny with an I-E, it's Vinny with a Y, which he wants to make sure everybody knows. No, he doesn't. I just like to tease him. Anyway, uh, Vinny's an old friend of mine, um, one of the first people I met uh, moving to Philadelphia many years ago. Uh, we got very close, so a lot of this is just us catching up and funny stories, but also some uh, some crazy things we went through. Um, so anyway, without further ado, enjoy. Deep Fried Thoughts, mmm, the best podcast. Deep Fried Thoughts, don't worry, we're working on a better intro. All right, so dude, welcome welcome to my uh, my humble abode. Obviously, I've made bottles a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just going to tell you what just happened. So Vinny thought we were going to start like three times, and he kept going to open up his, what was supposed to be a Mexican Coke, but apparently I just bought real Coke in a tiny bottle, and he was complaining and made me feel bad. It's a glass bottle. Yeah, and he was very consistent about saying, I, I wanted to open it when we start, to start it off with that tss. And then he forgot that he doesn't know how to open up a bottle. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> Man, we're off to, yeah, to yeah. a banger. Yeah, it's very good. <clears throat> and I'm choking. <clears throat> oh, man, sorry, I got corona. Um, but anyway, dude, I have not seen you in a very long time. How are you doing? I'm good, probably since you married me. Yeah. I, you know, let's explain a little further so people know what you mean by that. Yeah. Because we're not married. I wish, I, I had at some point wished we were. There was I'll one point that. where we both would have been interested in that. Yeah. Um, For tax purposes. <laughs> Do you want me to tell people? I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I'm no, just going to say people, go. Like, well, no, that you married my wife. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you had some horrible thing because you, you got some dirt on me. I thought you were about to just drop something as, and I was like, we were locking eyes there and I thought you... We're trying to tell me, and I wasn't picking up on it. No, the tent. Are you talking about the tent? Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if you know what pitching a tent is, but it's something that happens to all of us young men in the mornings. And when you have a blanket over top of you, it looks like a tent. Well, I used to make fake tents all the time when Vinny would come barging in my bedroom to wake me up when I was clearly trying to sleep till one p.m. Hold on, back up. Barging in the bedroom that we shared. Did we share at that point? Yes, I had the futon in the corner. Oh, yeah, you yeah, and yeah. Eric had okay. the L. No, this was later. Was it? No. Nope. All right. You think I forget? I just... <laughs> you think I'll forget the first time? <laughs> Why don't you tell the story? All right. Wait, of the tent or the part where of you the... married my wife oh, and I of that the you tent. cut no, me we're, off we're on. past that. We're on the tent. So Because okay. you brought that up and now we have to clear the air. So All right. So you take Carmen, it over. Carmen used to build fake tents. He would bunch the blankets up around his penis and make it look like he had a morning boner. Even if it were the middle of the day. <laughs> and one time I thought it would be a good idea because it looked comical, the shape of the tent he made. So I was like, oh, let me just smack it and knock the tent over. And when I smacked it, the head of his penis touched, you know, that ball. If you <laughs> take your middle finger and you push on the inside of your palm, there's like a hard bone. Yeah. The head of his penis crashed into it. And I was shocked. And he was like, what did you think? <laughs> and I thought it was a joke. And then I, all day, felt that <laughs> part of my hand being touched yeah. at work. I was surprised you didn't get pregnant. 
<laughs> you're yeah, you are very good at that apparently. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. Jeez. All right, so all right, back to what we were doing before you wanted to tell everybody because I know you secretly wanted to tell everybody that you touched my penis. So now everybody knows it's out there. So yeah, I did marry you and your wife, which was a huge honor. Um, dude, I love it. I go back and look at those photos all the time. It was beautiful. And did you know it was illegal what we did? Did I tell you that? I picked up on that by the way everybody was acting no, when we showed up. We didn't know. We okay. just thought like it was a public place. Um, and we got married on the Ray Street Pier, if anybody's wondering. Okay. What we did was uh, there was the bridal party was at my house in Port Richmond. And the all the groomsmen were at my grandmother's house. In this South, is Philly. In yeah. South Philly. So <clears throat> they went and they picked us up in like a trolley, dropped us off at the pier. We walked to the edge, took some photos, and then our our wedding started. Just a small group of people on the pier and turns out you need a permit to do that yeah okay <clears throat> well does that mean you're not actually married are you single no okay no. i can't touch well, your penis again. okay <laughs> get out of my head uh and off of it so <laughs> no i actually when you said that I, and i said i picked up on it it's because i i remember there being something that we were rushing about i remember thinking about that later and thinking i wonder if that was legal but now i'm remembering it was because people were just hanging out at the pier and we, we were trying to take that space over right and we got everyone to move and then the people that were randomly on the pier mm-hmm. were like involved and clapped and um i don't it, i don't remember it feeling rushed but i do know we just wanted to like make sure we didn't Obviously, because we were poaching the pier, yeah. we were trying to make it uh, convenient. My fast. memory's skewed. I, I can misremember very easily. So, and then we also wanted to go get food. Yeah, <clears throat> which was good, um, dude. I'll never forget that. And I hate to admit that the food was good. Yeah. Why was it? What was so shocking that it was good? What was the reason? Well, it was it was not meat meat, and I thought I only liked meat meat, but apparently, if it's done right, I like not meat meat, which is. I don't want to say, can you say the word? Because I know you're busting. It's been 30, at least three minutes or 30 seconds, however long we've been here. I know you want to tell everybody this one thing. Go ahead, tell no. them. Come on, tell them. Yeah, I will. So Carmen's saying he really liked this fake meat called, it was just jackfruit. It was just another form of food. Now, what's like. something special about you that you really want everybody to know? So fake meat, in I guess in a way, it's you have like a real penis and then you have dildos. Very similar. Very similar. Just, it can do the same thing. So the meat, the meat I decide to eat sometimes is different. You're not going to say the word? No. Come on. I'm like worse than a vegetarian. Would that thing that you are also start with the same way that vegetarian sounds like? It would, yeah. What would it be? You want Um, me to take this from you? I just... This isn't a podcast about my diet, is it? I, I just... I, I asked for Coke. I wanted to just relax. Mexican Okay, Coke. Vinny's a vegan. Oh, okay. Vinny's a vegan. Got it out. So we ate vegan food. And I got to tell you, dude, it was awesome. And the Not place... just awesome for vegan food. It was awesome. It was really good. Thank you. Yeah. And then remember the treats at my house the next day? Were you there? I don't know. You gave me a bunch of stuff. I, I had vegan stuff... For pretty much every time I think I was around you, like even when we were getting ready. You can do it right. You can do it right. And I, in my defense, because you just put me on the spot being a vegan, (laughs) 
I'm not one of those vegan, veganism is the best diet. It's not my belief. It's like I do it because I do care about animals. So it's like, that's my only reason. It's not because I'm like, you eat meat, you're going to get cancer and die. But I am killing animals. But you are going to get cancer and die. (laughs) Yeah, me me specifically. But, But yeah, so yeah, I would never kill an, I won't kill an animal. You would. If it was for for meat, I wouldn't kill an animal out of joy. I'm not down for that. I mean, I, I have, when I was younger, when my little BB gun, my brother and I were pretty bad. Well, when the vaccine turns everyone into zombies, I might be. We, I might have to get. I also wanted to let you know, sorry, this is totally off subject. We do have the Johnson & Johnson available if you do want it. Um, and we can we can do it here live, live on air if you want. Yeah, fresh blood clots for everyone. <laughs> Uh, and another joke, I I am vac. I do have the vaccine. Do you really? Yeah, I got Pfizer. Okay. How did you feel afterwards? The first one, I rode my bike to Lancaster to get, and then rode it home after I got it, which was about 180 miles. What? <laughs> All right. I, Vinny rides bicycles, works on bicycles. Like the guy is, as far as I know, when I think of bicycles, I think of you. And I know you ride a lot. You've always commuted whenever you could right through work but yeah. that's excessive that's insane but my riding started with you yeah Dude. like i never did a ride over eight miles until i met you guys really like maybe on my bmx bike like uh huh without thinking about like road bike riding i did that with you and alex and brian and ali that was where we started right we would ride to forbidden drive wait which brian oh it was brian brian from brian records uh, cigarette juice. Yeah. yeah, cigarette juice, Brian. So, <clears throat> don't you guys love inside jokes that you don't get? <laughs> I think about, uh, I think about what we used to do. We used to ride from Six and South to Kelly Drive, mm-hmm. down Kelly Drive to that little dark path, all the way to Forbidden Drive, which was like gravel. Mm-hmm. And it was dark, and we thought it was terrifying, and we were like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Now I look back, and it's like we rode our bikes eight miles from our house. Yeah. And we were like, we're in the middle of nowhere. We were in the middle of the largest park in Philadelphia. <laughs> and we thought we were lost. Uh, so, yeah, my I do ride a bike a lot, but that started with you, dude. That's awesome. I didn't know that. And All I do the- want to get back to that because that's something I wanted to talk with you about as far as the riding bikes and getting healthy and things. But um, how did you feel, though, riding that distance after getting that shot? That was the first shot I felt totally normal like okay. I, I felt like shit when i got home because i rode my bike for 13 hours so my understanding too is that the first shot it used to be like a 50 50 dose and they actually lowered it because they were afraid that people wouldn't come back so they made the second dose a lot lot higher of a potency so that way when they got a negative if, if and when they got a negative effect from it they it didn't matter if they came back or not so that's why people are getting messed up from the second i did get the second shot as well okay second shot was weird so I got the shot. They make you sit down for 15 minutes to make sure you don't blow up. Um, and I sat there for 15 minutes. And within like five, I was like, this is placebo because I have a headache already. <laughs> like unbelievable, like an actual headache. Yeah. Started within five minutes of getting it. And I was like, I'll be fine. I have to go to work. 15 minutes goes by. I drive to work. I, I got this hydration multiplier. It's like a salt and sugar and 
all these things you want to like absorb water and mm-hmm. I'm drinking water just so I can stay hydrated. Like I would if I were going on a bike ride. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to work, I had a full blown migraine and they were like, you can't take Advil because your, your body's creating the antibodies. Mm-hmm. So if you take, uh, blood ibuprofen thinner. or something, yeah. it could, it could affect how well the vaccine does it. Okay. The, like how well your body reacts to it. Like you kind of want these reactions is what I heard. Okay. To know it's working, I guess. I guess. I don't know what the okay. science is. <clears throat> or there is none. I mean, is magnets. You, is that what you believe? Magnets, how do they oh. work? And then I I get, uh, I made it through the day. And then when I got home, I was like, fuck this. And I took like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and went to bed. So you're unvaxxed now. I guess I deleted the second one, yes. All right. I still have the card, so I can travel. I don't know about. <laughs> nice. I tell people I have the card in my pocket when I'm traveling around now without a mask. Well, what about. In Philadelphia, the the mandates lifted on the 11th. Since I work in retail, we know all this stuff. Like, we know when people can just come in without a mask. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, I think it's a funny contrast of people who don't wear a mask and people who wear two or three. Yeah. You see people with three? Um, people, people wear a lot of masks. That's so weird. The city's different with it. I definitely feel the difference when I go back. And And I'm not against... Look, I wear one all day at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear one when I go places. It just, it's like, it doesn't inconvenience me at all. So do you wear it because you have to at work or, or like you're not trying to cause an issue? Because science no. says that there's no reason for you to wear a mask anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm actually curious because I see people like where nobody's wearing masks, but the employees are. And I don't know if they're required or. So one of the reasons we wear a mask at work is to make customers and other employees feel okay since there still is since there still is a mass mandate yeah i don't know what would happen if i decided hey i'm not gonna wear this Mm. it's never been an issue everyone in my work is pretty just level-headed about it and we're just wearing it because it's it's the thing we're doing Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure i think in philadelphia in a business you still have to wear them that's so weird um that's the like the pennsylvania mandate Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's lifted maybe in Delaware County. <clears throat> it seems like Although it's been I lifted these... here since day one. Most people here should wear one all the time. <laughs> Why is that? Just like bad breath I and just awful bad... teeth. <laughs> just like cover it up. <laughs> um, you never have to go to the dentist if you just wear a mask. There you go. You don't have to see the problem. Yeah, it's it's been weird. Um, the whole mask thing and everybody, like how divided it got us. I feel like everybody was on the same page until the masks happened. And then it didn't take very long. Because even in the beginning, like I was desperately looking for N95s because I was like, I need to get them for me and my family. Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm counting my ammo, checking my guns, making sure everything's oiled up. Um, not because I was uh, scared of the virus as much as I was scared of the people's reaction. Um, but then like very shortly after... I just started seeing the BS, like I just, or what I considered to be absolute BS. And I was just like, that doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. Was this a previous presidency or current presidency? Uh, This was previous presidency. Yeah. No, this was with Trump. Dude, I don't, I don't agree with anything about the way Trump handled the COVID stuff, but probably for the opposite reason that most people say that. Like, I wish he would have kind of kept it as not that serious um, because... What I've seen, I just, I don't, I don't buy into it all. Like when I see the numbers, um, like it's not even 
that the amount of people that they're saying died um, of COVID-19 is actually what the CDC is actually reporting. So you can like read an article and you can come away thinking, wow, a half a million people died of COVID-19. And then you go to the website of CDC, which is where they got their numbers from, and it says people that died with COVID. And that could be from anything. Like, So if it's that contagious, and I'm not saying, here, let me also preface this. I lost people in our family. From COVID? Yes. Um, and I believe at least one of them, I'm 100% convinced, like, yes, it was COVID. But, you know, it was a, it was an odd time. Like, he, it was it was our Jenny's grandfather, and he had just lost his wife. And it was really sad because they were in New York. Um, and her grand, her grandmother had passed away. She had been battling cancer and a lot of family traveled in from all around the country, mostly New Mexico and then also New York. And everybody got it at the funeral home, which was really sad, including her grandfather. Can I give you an example of where else they do this in the medical world? Where? So Aaron's dad. Do what? Where they, where they, they'll say you died of something just because you had it. Mm -hmm. So it's politicized that they're doing this now, but... For instance, you're at a cancer hospital. We'll call it a Penn Medical. Okay. I think that's where Aaron's dad was. Uh, what's the one at like 8th and Spruce? Is that Penn? That, oh, I know the Spruce Medical Building. So, or 8th. Or no, 8th and Spruce. I don't know. I've been there a few, I've woken up there a few times actually. So I think I, it's a cancer treatment facility. They have that there, yeah. So Aaron's dad gets lung cancer. He's in the... In the hospital, stage four lung cancer. It's very bad. Complications. He also had heart issues. He died of a heart attack in the hospital. The reason was lung cancer. It's just one of those things where, like, you they change the names of things constantly. Like, it's just a paperwork thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I do think there's some truth to what you're saying where it's like, you can die in a car accident with a positive COVID, ne- a positive COVID test from like a week prior, and mm-hmm. you died with COVID, which inflates and you're the added number into the COVID death. But you can do that with cancer as well. Like, how many people die of something else while they have cancer and they're going through something? Like, how many people have a stroke and die when they have yeah a a, a rare cancer? So, but how many people, <clears throat> you know, say a hundred thousand people died of cancer? Would that change my life? And and I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way. I'm saying, would that affect the way I am allowed to go outside or the fact that I couldn't open up my own business because people died of the, you know, it, it doesn't. Oh, I'm with you with the businesses and and I'm, I'm with you with the skewed counting. Yeah. But it's a problem with the entire medical. I didn't know that until you just said that. They weren't going to fix medical tracking. Because COVID happened. Mm-hmm. They're just going to do it. Yeah. They're just going to do it the way they've been doing it. And it's a little fucked up and it's a little shoddy and it's like not always accurate, but it's the way they do it. <clears throat> yeah. No, that actually makes a lot of and, sense. And I guess my problem with it though was the fact that more people should have been aware of that. I didn't know that. Um, I learned all this from this and which, you know, most of us did, but they used it to fear monger so many people. And that's what really pisses me off. It was the opportunists that came in. Do you think it was the medical people doing it or do you think it were the people manipulating or or, or interpreting the numbers because the, I, so the medical I would say the, folks are just doing the they're just counting the yeah. way they collect data they're so, just literally like data collectors i would say a little bit of both and let me elaborate quickly i would say the majority of it would be the mainstream media because they're the ones making the most money off of it 
And I believe money is what, what keeps the world spinning. And I think in the medical industry, they were benefiting from these numbers because there was so much money just being tossed around to help the issue. And it was like the cycle of like the news builds it up and fear mongers everybody and it makes its way all the way up into Congress where now money is being passed out to hospitals because people are on ventilators. And then we find out that throwing somebody on a ventilator was basically a death sentence, but they were doing it to everybody that came in, like in New York specifically, and basically just not treating them. They were putting them in a place where they were giving them a death sentence, but receiving tens of thousands of dollars per patient. There was There's a hospital around here. Do you, do you think that was more of a m- mistake, though? Because like they learned that, hey, we're putting these people on ventilators. They're not actually, their body stops fighting it. Mm-hmm. And they stop breathing on their own because they're relying on the ventilators. Then we remove them from it, and the virus is already so strong that it can't do anything. I think that was just like, like doctors trying to come up with something. It could, and it, it could and be it killed a lot of people because of be. how. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, hey, we have to put them on ventilators because they're having trouble breathing." Versus, it's like we have to let them breathe until they physically can't <clears> breathe <throat> anymore, and then put them on a ventilator. Well, all right, I, this is not really going to help my argument or my my thoughts on this because I can't share all the information, but I, I can't not say this anyway. I witnessed through text messages and private messages in on Instagram um, of conversations from higher-ups at the hospital with my wife doing some real shady stuff and telling her to just go along with things that were not okay. And that was really when... That was the first bullcrap alarm that went off was when I saw some of these things being said or like telling them not to talk about this or not to mention it to the news. Um, and that they were like one of the instances where they, they were stockpiling stuff, but claiming that they didn't have it and then getting the government to send over all this stuff for free when they had an insane amount of it. But then they weren't, not only were they saying they didn't have it, they were saying they had so little that they couldn't even give their nurses masks. They were making my wife reuse the same mask for multiple shifts at the time when we thought this mask is what's saving her life. Um, she had people like that were pulling her mask off and coughing in her face and like where spit was being transferred and they're telling her that, you know, they don't have any more equipment for it. Like there was a lot of shady stuff that I, I felt like was about money. So to- I think both. Totally about money though. Yeah. Like, but money, yes. not about, that's just the unfortunate thing about the country is like, yeah. it's driven by money. And if there's a handout from the government somewhere, there's going to be people who take advantage of that. And one of the things they can yeah. do is say, okay, let's make our workers complain about this, that they don't have enough masks. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's stockpile what we have and the government will give us more funds and then we can release what we have. It is just a money grab. Oh yeah. It's unfortunate yeah. that it's, well, it's like when people benefit from war, people the profit off war. It's literally the same Ugly. thing. Yeah. So like, Exactly. Like they're benefiting from a war. They're profiting from it. This is just a war that was like this virus that was killing people that they just, you know, hospitals did this thing to make more money. Mm -hmm. According to what you just said, I don't know what's true. Yeah. And I'm not trying to use that as really any kind of foundation because I can't show it to you. Anyway, it it was, it was like, I also want to clarify, I don't think that there was some huge agenda to wipe off the population or like, I don't think there's some Illuminati out there. I wouldn't be surprised if there was, I mean, that stuff's fun to think about, but I don't sit here and I fear like there's an Illuminati wanting to get rid of a third of the population to help the rest. I don't think that, but I think, and Ali and I were just talking about this, um, or Glenn and I on, on one of the episodes, I really think it boils down to, 
opportunities arise, people want to make money, and often people are so greedy and ugly uh, human beings that the money and the power that they can gain from that tragedy or from that opportunity is more valuable to them than a human life or a human um, position in life. What's the value in keeping a business closed? Well, like a small I, business that feeds an economy. Yeah, I've actually that, like that, that yeah. like, greases the pockets of everyone. You're right. I've questioned this, and I'm, I'm sure somebody can give a better answer than me. But I really haven't heard anything that's stuck with me. I I don't know. I think I think with that, it really came down to low level politicians gaining much more power than they would have had before, and doing it at the expense of shutting down their economy because those people still got that money back. I mean, who got screwed in the end? These businesses are closed permanently. I think it wasn't like 40% of all businesses on Yelp were closed permanently. There was some insane number like that. Well, because Yelp's mostly small business. And yeah, yeah, that sucks. And it's what's also was weird was this, we just put restaurants outside, inside. Nothing made sense, man. blew my mind. And also the, look, obviously I'm vaccinated. I'm a vegan. There it is. There, I, hold on. I, I care. I care. About, no, I am I, kidding, by the way. Vinny's not like that. I just so I had to. He did have to put me on the spot. But that said, <laughs> oh, excuse me. I think it's really funny that there's like, wear your mask unless you're seated. That's when I learned COVID only floats <laughs> like five and a half feet off the ground. It must be really hot because heat yeah, rises, right? It does. So that's why virus. I was like, okay, everyone will be fine if we just sit. I sit down at work and I was like, I guess I'll have to. Dude, we missed the opportunity. If what you're saying is real, I think you're tapping into the only opportunity we ever had in but like, this generation no to get those. no one got COVID sitting down, yeah. isn't that crazy? Everyone that got COVID was standing up. Yeah. What was that movie where um, it was a little robot that was cleaning trash on Earth, the Pixar movie? Wally. Oh, it was Wally. That makes sense. I don't have any, I don't have any children. <laughs> well, they, oh. the last well, robot. I saw the, that the, before children. So, in, you know, whatever. Um, well, everybody sat on chairs. What was the one from the 80s? The I'm robot. Just saying that was our chance. Oh, Johnny Five. That's a robot movie. That is and a that good robot. that was not Pixar. That was That's uh, a great movie. Man, I, you know what? They looked really similar. There's no new things. There there's, there's only old things no. made new again. When do you think the last time coronavirus came around you think that's not new too and i'm oh i I said that weird i've actually thought about that with coronavirus and i look back on other diseases we've learned about and i wonder what kind of bs was going on back then and i wonder if this is something new or if this is just something that's been played out before well the bs level of it coronaviruses have been around forever yeah but i mean different i mean that as like the current state of the country or world even do you think that there might have been BS in some of the previous pandemics? I don't know to this degree. Yeah. I don't know to this degree it was politicized. Like, I don't know in the 1920s. When was the Spanish flu? The 1800s? I don't know. I'm actually curious, though. Up. I want to say it was like 1910. I just made that up. I'm, all right. Are we taking guesses here? Hold on. I'm going to say 1911. Isn't oh. that the over-under rules? Isn't that how I screw you? They're actually called prices right rules. Oh. And if you're over You said Spanish flu, right? That's what I said. Well, during the Spanish flu they wore masks. Yeah. And I don't think there was televisions back then. 
Whoa, dude, these deaths were way higher. How many people do you think died of the Spanish flu? Or I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. How many people think do you think died with the Spanish flu? <laughs> there were people flipping over horses and shit they were counting. 17 to 100 million. Now that makes sense, that number being that's so global, drastic. That's be- globally. Yeah. How were they going places? Like, how did someone bring it over? It took them, they were sick for five months on a boat to bring it here. <laughs> Wasn't this rats from the boats though? Or was that the Black Plague? Dude, this is scary looking. These are, that's where all those creepy masks come from that have like the real long noses. Of course, I clicked on the one picture that wasn't that. But I remember they something about like there were oh, so many bodies wait, go back, go back. smelling around that people used to wear those long nosed masks. Look at that. Wear, wear a mask, mask or go, go to, to jail. jail. Dude, that's creepy. So maybe it was worse back then. Yeah, I don't know. That picture speaks volumes. Yeah, it's a. So we're looking at a picture uh, from the Spanish flu, old black and white, and it's it's four people standing there masked. And the lady on the right is wearing a sign on her chest that says, wear a mask or go to jail. So to answer your question, I do believe um, it was this aggressive before. But also, like, they're limited. It's weird how similar this looks. I don't know why that's weird to me. It's just, I don't know. It's it's weird that people were wearing these. When was it? That was what we actually looked up. Oh, yeah, I got sidetracked and photo. You know, that's like reading a book, and I'm like, where's the pictures? That's basically what I just did. I Googled it, and I was like, I don't want to read this. Oh, here you go. Spanish flu, also known as the Kung flu. Oh, no, that was the new one. Um, Spanish flu, also known as the influenza pandemic. Sorry, I'm getting my uh, Chinese flus mixed up. But this is Spanish. That was a joke that just didn't hit, and I'm trying to just drag it out. Yeah, you should give up. Yeah, okay. Anyway, 1918. So I win. You did win. I did win. My price was not right, but I won. But what was your original guess going to be? Oh, definitely said... like eighteen hundred something. <laughs> okay, okay. Eight, yeah. So yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. I'll share my uh, my my spoils with you. Yeah, it's been a weird time, dude. I I don't know, and I'm trying not to like be so like arrogant about my beliefs on it because I'm pretty. St- firm in what i believe towards it but at the same time it wouldn't take much to skew my views like or just to make me believe that things weren't as bad i just but i don't know i'm not a professional i'm not in this field like i mean jenny's jenny my my nurse is my wife is a nurse and like even just simple things she tells me about her day are just so bizarre to me because that line of work is so different from anything i've ever done so on a scale like this it's probably not that odd that i don't understand a lot of it yeah, so and I can I, acknowledge that. And I think at this point, it's like, it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. What happened, it looks like we're turning a corner to like some normalcy. Yeah, I um, hope so. Because, yeah, I mean, there's like gyms that are never going to be open again. There's so much stuff that's gone. And I don't know what the answer was. Like, if we stayed open, what would have happened? Well, no if you idea. look at the states that stayed open, we probably would have had lower numbers across the across the board because the states that stayed open all had lower numbers that stayed open and did not have mask mandates. Yeah, Florida still sucks, though. It still does. Dude, it's weird. Florida is kind of like it's kind of like they had a really good PR team and they were like, all right, COVID, how can we do this? We're going to turn around Florida. And they did a little bit. 
they're no longer the, you know, if I hear something crazy happen in Florida, I'll be like, yeah, but how many people are alive now that wouldn't have been? Whereas before I would have been like, you know, I would have read a bad headline and been like, this had to be Florida, right? Florida man. Florida man. Yeah. And they've turned it around. I need their PR guy. Yeah. And and I, I also hate that the vaccine has been politicized to a point where... Are we playing footsie just now? I think you were... Your foot was playing I wasn't trying to. Hand. I'm just very relaxed right now. I'm just stretching out. Um, I wish we were on the chairs in your living room. The couch? Yeah, but well, then we would have to... Three, our neck would hurt. We'd have, be looking next to each other. I could not look. Um, you have three <laughs> chairs. You have a, a couch with like a center console that no one can sit in the middle, apparently. Just, oh, that flips up. Okay. Third seat. Interesting. And yeah. then you have a chair just in the corner with like a... They all have like underglow on them, like a like a old. They're movie, they're movie theater seats. Okay, so you can find your cup of Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of you remember Grandma's Boy? Yeah. Oh yeah. How can you forget that? Well, you remember the guy, the like, the fucking like game dude, the dude who had like his own room that like designed the video games. What was his name? I don't know. That dude was so creepy. What but else? he would have yeah. those chairs oh, in his house. Yeah, dude. he would. Those are his chairs. Yeah. My wife and and you would probably get along in this conversation. But how nice was it, though, when you sat in there and you didn't have to do anything but push a button to raise your feet up? Oh, no. Don't get me wrong. It was beautiful. Oh, okay. All right. Just. So, as so I was that telling was you. The, bef- that was the kids' room. So, all right. So, as oh, I was telling you before. That was so, the kids' room? No, so, all right, we had, like, a nice couch in there that was, like, not a movie theater, single man's, you know, furniture setup. And I had those up in the attic because I was planning on finishing what is now the podcast room. I was going to finish this, and I was looking at either getting a projector or a TV, and I was going to make this the movie room so that way we didn't have a TV in the living room. So we weren't always, like, it would produce more conversation. And then I I begged my wife to go along with getting these movie theater chairs. We get them. Then, of course, we learn very quickly that children ruin furniture. And they ruined our furniture. And we had to throw out a couch. And I was like, well, why would we buy couches if we have couches upstairs? And it worked. And now I have movie theater chairs in my living room. So what you're saying is your your wife has three children. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, the yeah. two that are upstairs sleeping and then the one I'm having a podcast with. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you think? That was so funny. <laughs> uh, oh, whatever. Yeah, so that's how I got. That's how I made my single man move was through that. Hey, don't tell anybody. I'm the one that ruined the couches. <laughs> I ate a bunch of Taco Bell one night and I came home and I was like, I'm not getting up. And I just destroyed them. I soiled the couches. And now... I got what I wanted. It's the ultimate child move. It is the ultimate child move. And now you'll never have a door on your man cave. <laughs> you'll never get a door in the studio because of that. So Vinny walks in here. And everybody that walks in the podcast room, I, I'm always waiting for someone to be like, what a turd bucket or something. Just like, wow, this I had is to what drive you're through, doing this in? I had to drive through Chester to get here. So yeah, realistically, anything was, was better. I'm glad you made it. You know, I was I'm so happy my, to see my, you here in my, one piece with no holes. Um, Except for the ones in the floor in the truck I drove. <laughs> so Vinny walks in and he goes, oh, this is nice. And then I say to him what I say to everybody that comes in. Everybody, this is the same conversation I have with everybody. They come in, they say, oh, this is nice. Like, they're surprised that it looks this nice. And I'm thinking, what are what are they seeing that I'm not? Because I'm looking at a room that is halfway built. Uh, that I'm, you know, yeah. That I have a light that's literally just 
shoved up into the ceiling that's just being held up by two uh, copper water pipes. It's not in use. I just didn't want to throw it out. I didn't want to put it. Anyway. And then after complimenting my podcast studio, by the way, it's a studio. Those are gas pipes. You have those. Uh, that, oh, they are gas pipes. You're right. They're gas pipes. That you they have go up to the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, and then I explained to him what I explained to everybody. Oh, well, I'm glad you like it. I usually am expecting people to say it looks bad. And he goes, oh, no. And then he sits down and continues to tell me about every little thing that's wrong. And then he complains about the, oh, this isn't Mexican Coke, by the way. This sugar is not vegan. This sugar is actually uh, farmed from rabbits, bunny rabbits, the fuzzy kind, <laughs> not the ugly ones. No, dude, you you sent me a text now and you I said, is bad. there any special yeah. drinks you would want for our first podcast together? Yeah. And I said, I love Mexican Coke. Yeah. I love a good Mexican Coke. They come in like huge bottles. Yeah. They have cane sugar. Mm-hmm. They taste better. Where would you get one from? Well, I live in Philadelphia. I would just go to the fucking bodega and just get one. So what I should have done was say, hey, you pick them up. Why don't, you get, you. why don't you just get them yourself? Why don't, you get, why don't you get what you want and bring it over yourself, and I'll think about them knowing you. No, so I really did try. I called up a bunch of places. Uh, is that like the QAnon money transfer thing? I'm not, a, I'm not a QAnon. How dare you? I don't know, dude. You gotta, you're gonna, you have a lot of backing up to do, though, <laughs> to, to convince me you're not. I, I promise. All right, here's the – well, if you've been in – this house at all, you would have heard many conversations of Jenny going, oh, I think there's something to this, and following Q and me just saying, it's absolute BS, and I followed all the Q stuff for entertainment purposes, and constantly shutting it down whenever she would tell me something that she believed So you true. do follow Q, but just to prove it wrong? No, it became... Except for the parts that <laughs> you agree with. I agree with none of it. I thought it was a joke. I thought, honestly, I thought it was funny. Um... But it was it was interesting. I was like watching it and then reading comments. It was definitely like a it brought joy to my life to read the comments and just be from afar, just looking at everybody just eating it and just like slopping it up. And I'm like, some dude just sat in his computer and wrote this. Like this is not John F. Kennedy Jr. who's dead, is not alive and hiding behind a mask now coming out standing by Trump's side, you know, slipping us secret information through uh, chat forums. I, I no, no, nope. No. Sorry if you believed in it, or still do. Yeah, I can't get on board with that. Yeah. Listen, I, I follow a lot of conspiracy theories, but I take them all with a grain of salt. I follow them because they're entertaining, um, but a lot of times, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and, you know, it doesn't take very long to prove that some of what was going on in those conspiracy theories was actually true. So that's why I wouldn't ever take action or be vocal about a conspiracy theory of like, oh, did you know this happened and this needs to be done? Because No, because I want to see what really comes out later. And I, I take them all like that. I mean, I, I love a good conspiracy theory. It's fun. It is very fun. Yeah. It's very fun. I, I, now, I, I don't let it like pollute my life. Yeah, I went down that rabbit like hole if, once. Like if, I, if I get into conspiracy theories, are any of them going to make me make more money at, at work? No. Are any of them going to make my anything. home life happier? It's like, then I don't really give a shit. It's funny to be like, Epstein didn't kill himself mm-hmm. because he didn't kill himself. Because he did. He didn't. He did not. No, there's no way. There's too many things that happen. Don't say that again. Don't repeat it. I might have to edit that out. Did you hear something? Someone's in the, someone's in the yard. I would feel a lot safer if you had a door in here. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, that stuff's fun. Um, it's fun to look through, but I did go in the weeds way too far. When I first started getting into conspiracy theories and like realizing that there was like, that's what they were. I always thought it was like, oh, I, this, you know, I would read something. I didn't know of the term conspiracy theory or really know what it meant. Um, but was when I discovered, um, what's his name? Um, Alex Jones. This was when we were living on Carpenter street. So was that like seven, eight years ago? I was I listened to one episode and I was like, oh my gosh, ten, I'm like ten, ten, ten years. Wow, dude, time flies, man. So yeah, that must have been like 2012, 11. Yeah, it was before I met Erin. I've been with her for nine years. Oh wow, then it was then it was way before that. Oh, I'm not even just go ahead. Anyway, um, but I found it to be like absolutely consuming my life. We What's can up? find out exactly when it was if you know when that video was made. What video? That like fucking stupid video where where Ali was humping the dog. <laughs> Why does this keep getting brought up on here? Wait, did did that get brought up on here? Multiple times. Well, I think it's because it's one of the cool things you were a part of. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta find that. I'll look that up while I'm talking. But yeah, I went way too into it, and it just started consuming my life, and I was believing everything, and then. I would like dismiss so many weird things that Alex Jones would do, like crazy things he would say, because I was like, all right, that was crazy, but I believe everything else. And then I had to really backtrack and realize like Alex Jones is different, I'll say. And he's a little off the walls. And a lot of it is him being a character on the air. But so I learned within, within probably a year of doing that and like really being nervous that you have to take it with a grain of salt and just listen. And you just, have to take it with more than a grain of salt. Can like I give you an half example? a grain of salt? A fucking bottle. A, a Can, bottle? Like, that's more. That's a lot of salt. Like, dude, it's underneath the kitchen cabinets. If the salt's in the kitchen. Oh, like an old piece of salt. Like, no, like he's, you're talking about a salt shaker. This dude is like telling shit that you have to look under the cabinets to get the truth so for. You, Can you I say tell that? you one thing? You, wait, listen, you say that? But Alex Jones has said things that sounded absolutely insane and then come out as true years later, and it's bizarre. Bohemian Grove. I know, dude. But, and, oh, we'll, we'll talk Turning about Turning the frogs gay? That was one of the stupidest things he ever said, and it turns out that they were actually doing things that were turning frogs but, gay. So, I follow the UFC very hard since we met, basically. Like, mm-hmm. we all got into it together, yeah. really. Like, early to, like, what was that, 2010? Yeah, I will just say yes because that's earlier than the Alex Jones thing. But like 2010 is like when we got into the UFC. Yeah, we would all go and watch it, and we were very into it. And uh, from there, got into grappling and and following other people. One of a grappler that was just on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, Craig Jones, had an adverse reaction to the, um, to the, what do you call it, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And Alex's Jones version of what happened to him, like a couple of weeks ago when he was saying it, mm-hmm. when was this produced? What's that, this video? Yeah. This video, sorry, I just finally found the video. This was in, says, where does it say? Yeah, I did a little drop down on YouTube. 12,000 views. Ooh, we're doing good. We're, oh, we're almost at 13,000. This was February 16th of 2013. Oh. If anybody wants to see the video I'm talking about, it's called Harlem Shake, original Philly tattooed biker's edition. Consider, <laughs> considering the only people listening to this podcast are in the video, we've seen it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Wow. What support? <laughs> oh, why is I not wearing any clothes? <laughs> 
What's wrong with me? Um, <sighs> no, but his version of, of what happened to Craig, he was just like, like insane. And the only thing that happened was like, he had like an ad- adverse reaction. Oh, the man definitely like, like goes off the walls. But he went things. off the fucking walls, dude. Yeah. But that said... He, I mean, he does it to himself. He's the reason why he gets laughed at by a lot of people. But if you look back at a lot of things he says, there, there is some truth to a lot of what he says. Like, so I guess what it boils down to is he, he always claims he has all these different informants in different government agencies. And that's where I think a lot of the truth comes from. But then he kind of goes on his own tangents about it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess if he didn't do that, he probably would be taken a lot more serious. But, I mean, it's doing, it's, he's doing well. So I mean that's that's his that's his shtick for sure. He sells a lot of vitamins. Yeah, and mineral. Well, I don't even know what he sells anymore. I know he sells like fucking iodine and like all this weird. Yeah, weird shit. There is one thing I wanted. I still kind of want it. It was like this big jug when, to hold, like to cleanse water. When Aaron's fluorides uh, and whatever. Anyway, whenever I important. would pick Aaron up from the airport, mm-hmm. she, she might not be a Trump supporter. She might be. I'm pretty sure she voted for him. So what I would do would... Wait, which year? Uh, during the elections. Thanks. Um, so 2016 or 2020? So during the elections, she voted for him. Okay, and, gotcha. Uh, so when I would pick her up, um, you know, I feel like she could relate to Alex Jones. So I would find myself putting them on to go pick them up from the airport. They would go to like, go on a cruise and then fly home. They would go to this place and then fly home. And every time I pick them up. I would have Alex Jones playing in the car. <laughs> That's what just to try to get her to engage. And, yeah, uh, she she wouldn't. A smart girl. But then I got to listen to a lot of commercials about iodine and. Dude, why does he have so many commercials? He's it's got all four hours ep- of an episode, and it's like a half hour of talking. It's it's, it's all commercials. It's unreal. Well, I've only listened to the commercials pretty much. <laughs> like you'd listen to a soundbite or commercials. Yeah. And it's to support the show. Yeah. Do you have any sponsors? Oh, uh, sorry. Yes, actually, we'll take a sponsor break. Today, we're actually brought to you by Mexican Coke, the best Coke around. Nowhere near the garbage Coke that comes in a smaller bottle with high fructose corn syrup. I don't know why I high, said it weird like high that. High fructose. High rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit sugar. Rabbit sugar. Um, yeah. Buy it anywhere. It's not hard to find <laughs> unless you don't want to find it. All right. Thank you. And we're back. So when you said you drove all over, did you just go to the like local path mark and grab that? No, I legitimately was driving all over. Like I, I went to church this morning. My nephew had his dedication, which is like um, a version of um, like a baptism. But instead of like putting on water that was prayed over on a baby's head and saying that they're now like sanctified or whatever, we basically have like a family go up with a child and we pray over the kid and... We basically, you know, it's it's like a, a ceremony that basically says like, hey, we're going to raise this child as a Christian and give him the best advice we can to lead him on a good path. And then we, we pray for him from that time on, um, which is more of a realistic sense than just throwing some water on a kid or dunking him. Sorry if that offends anybody, but I always thought that was kind of weird. Um, you're talking about Catholics? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I have no hate. I just always thought it was weird. Yeah, I, I grew no, up no. Catholic when I was really young. I think... Uh, I was baptized. Were you circumcised? I'll have to show you. I don't know what that means. 
I don't know how I know that I have to show you something, but I just I just do. <laughs> Actually, you could probably tell me because I I'm I'm a big guy and I don't really see much when I look down. So you've had more experience in that department for me. So uh, was I? I you know it was underneath of a tent. Yeah. Okay. Um. So religion, Carmen, you you have like lost and found yourself. Like a few times since I've known you. Yeah. One time you lost yourself like pretty far. Is it? That's what almost destroyed our relationship. And destroyed is weird. I just think we, we like grew apart in different ways, but I never felt like personally. And if this is wrong, then I'm glad that it worked out. But I think it was more like we just kind of grew apart. Mm -hmm. Like our interests were different Mm -hmm. and we just like. Like I was still your friend. Yeah. I still would do anything for you. It was just like we just like our interests are not the same. Yeah. But the thing that about you that I found interesting was like I also did these like roller coasters of emotions and like things I was into, things I wasn't. I never had to battle like a like an addiction or a problem, really. Mm-hmm. Like I I had problems and issues, but never had to like Like the only thing you, it seemed like if you weren't dedicated to religion, you couldn't stay focused on just like being happy and being a normal person. Hmm. Like it's like when you went away from religion, you then found like an excuse to just be. Just debauchery. Yeah. And that was always like, I couldn't, I don't, I don't understand that just because I never found religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to church with you guys and I went to church growing up, but like I never like found it, Mm. you know? Like in the sense that you did. Mm. And I just think it's not funny, but I think it's weird that people have to find religion to like level out. So the explanation that you're going to get from a Christian perspective is that we're all born with a desire to worship God. And we fill that hole, as it's described, with whatever we find, right? And a lot of people go through life filling it with different things and they can sometimes fill it with gambling or women or drinking or being successful at a job. Not all of it is like openly sinful. Sounds fun. Yeah. So, but not all of it's open like that. Some people live like really good moral lives, like in the standards of the world. Um, but they're doing things to fill like this void and they're worshiping something. They're like their goal. And a lot of people complain about this and say that, you know, they they just don't feel fulfilled and some do, or they say they do. I don't, I've never experienced that. So I don't, I don't want to say that they're lying. I've just never felt that fulfillment in anything but when I was serving God. So one of the things that I feel like I lost out on, which I didn't, I just thought I lost out on was like this. Really, for me, it was probably like sex, like was probably my biggest thing is like I just felt I remember. All right. So I got to backpedal here a little bit. So growing up, I had been sexually abused multiple times like we kept moving and I would get sexually abused by somebody else and I kept thinking like something was wrong with me questioning my sexuality and all these things and it's really different people yeah um and I had so much of a complex issue and then I'd be bullied at school a lot and a lot of it was about my weight but I was just eating because I mean it's like eight I mean this is like normal stuff it's like textbook right I started gaining a lot of None weight. None of it is normal, but it is textbook like Well, trauma. normal human reaction to it, trauma is yeah. what I mean. It wasn't any, like it was, it's textbook reaction. So looking back, it makes more sense. By the time I just like, I, I had such little thought towards myself and I 
all I wanted, dude, I was such a hopeless romantic as a kid. Like my favorite movies were like the cheesiest chick flicks. Like I used to cry at everything and like I wanted so bad. Like I could laugh at this, but there was something really cute and innocent about it as a kid. Like I just wanted to love somebody so much that like I was their everything and they were my everything. And like I just wanted this fairy tale life, right? You're laughing, but that, I'm, I'm not I, I no no no. I'm smiling. Okay, you're smiling. I really wanted that. Like I wanted this comfort that I didn't have with anybody with somebody. And I wanted them to want that with me for more than a reason that I was born into their family. Um, and I think that really brought me a lot of problems in life. So like you were with me through some of the darkest times in my life. So you know that the relationships I had were never healthy. In fact, like beyond unhealthy. And it was because I was so trying to give that thing that I wanted or, you know, the part that I had to do, I kept trying to give it to the first people that were coming along. And because I thought I was missing something. And then I remember, like, I'm trying to have these, like, Christian relationships with these Christians, and it, nobody was into me. And it was really just because I was just, I just didn't have experience. I didn't have a dad around. Like, I didn't know how to talk to girls, like, and things that, like, normally you would talk with your buddies about, like, my buddies. And I kept moving. So, like, I never really had that, like, trial and error that a lot of people get to go through at an earlier age. So for me, it was just like, I just felt out of place a lot. And I'm, I'll never forget, I'm not going to mention the names, but I'll never forget when we were all living together and we were like the Christian guys living together. And I found out in one night that everybody in the house was having sex with women except for me. And I remember feeling like an absolute putz. I remember feeling like a, like a fraud. Like what? Like why were we all hiding this from one another? And why was I the only one out here trying to do things right, even though it was skewed, like I was trying. I felt so lied to and betrayed. I was actually really upset about it. I wasn't mad at anybody like for a long period, but I was more mad at myself for not just doing what I wanted to do, which is what they were doing. Didn't, if I remember correctly, because I was, I was there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when you said you were going to try, you also got a lot of pushback. Yeah. Because I think that maybe they realized that what they were doing, even though they were like stuck in it, or was their version was maybe just, not was their version just more justifiable to them? Well, I think we all justify the things that we do that are wrong. I'm not saying what they did was wrong. I believe that what they did was wrong. Not just. I mean, you can disagree and say that having sex outside of marriage is fine, and I get that. Like I, I've lived in the world long enough that I, I get but that isn't perspective. That just like, isn't that just like a, like, your that's like your right to think that. Yeah. Oh, hundred like percent. And it's like, I, who am I to say that that's wrong? Mm-hmm. Like I can just say that like a lot of the relationships I had, I probably could have just not had them mm-hmm. and been fine. A lot of them, <laughs> like a lot of them could have just not happened and my life yeah. would have been, wouldn't have been better or worse. So like, I agree. Yeah. Like yeah. if you, if you believe like you should wait, then like, okay. I think it, because none of them have yeah. positively reinforced yeah. anything. I mean, obviously, I'm married now, and I'm very happy. But yeah. but I didn't know that at the time. When I looked at you and, like, saw how girls would look at you, you were like this... Dude, you were like the, the tattooed Adonis. Like, you were this handsome guy with, with your snake bite piercings, and you're, you were covered in tattoos when you came out of your, your mother's womb. And, like, you were just... And you did BMX, and you are in magazines, and you even made unicycling cool. Like off when you do like extreme unicycling, no. But I, I'm building your head up. But it, it, on a serious note, though, you were the first guy I met that was like smooth. 
You were just like, you had this way about you that was, no, it was very, I wish you guys could see his little dance. It's cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I idolized that in a way that I wouldn't share because I, I did think it was wrong, but I, not in a sense of like, Hey, you shouldn't do that. It was more like for me, the life I was trying to live, that's not something I should have been idolizing. Um, but I did. And then when I found out that everybody else was doing this, I just, like I said, I felt like a putz. I felt like, well, why, why do I believe this? I think like part of having the unity of other Christians that I was close with helped with doing things that were, you know, hard to do, like sustaining from sex before marriage. So when I found out that I'm the only one that wasn't, I went on this rampage trying to have sex with every girl that I saw, including the girl that invited me out to a bar that winded up being you guys. In my phone with a girl's name of a girl I knew, you bastards. Do you remember that? Uh, we did a lot of really fucked up stuff. Oh, and you know what's even you. worse? I'm going to bring this up. Oh, it was. It went even further than that. So I was talking with this whoa, girl. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was talking with this girl, and I, I was like trying to flirt with her, and, and it was a girl I knew, and I had her phone number, and then she asked me to meet her at a bar. Can, can you show up to the her, bar? Can you write down her name? Because I don't remember who it was. I'm going to mouth it because. Anyway, wait, uh, hold on. You guys in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I go to meet this girl at a bar, and she's not there. The, the first word mouth was fat. And she's not... Oh, you bastard. She's not there. And then I find out it's you bastards. You changed her phone number to your phone number and we're texting me, <laughs> listening to my most intimate conversations with the girl. And then it gets worse. You told the girl that I wanted her to be my first, you bastards. <laughs> also, this is going to sound much worse. We were horrible to one another and it was really all done in love. And I did laugh about it. But the moment that I found out, I was pretty disappointed because I had just like given myself like a quick little shower, which was like splashing water myself and running on my bike and speeding down like those memes when you're like you see like with the girls like my dad's not home and then and you like, see the you like a u-turn like a drift yeah, yeah um yeah i just remember standing there with like a, a half um well I'm, oh man family listens to this i was i was excited in the bar really early and uh yeah that's when i found out yeah that that was uh that was funny but at the same time like i still did really want that and it sucks because when I got it, we were very good at practical joking. Oh yeah, like we, we were, were. We were like top I gave it level, as much as I got it. We were top level practical jokers. Absolutely, the original. We really were. Yeah, but dude, the people shit people didn't would, like it. They thought it was no. so mean. But well, that's why we do. Our circle was so small. Yeah. It was like if you can't take the bullshit we're gonna give you, I don't know if you'll make it through this. It's like yes. Yeah, Ninety percent of us are Very exclusive. are like Christian yeah. and wholesome and don't really curse that much, but we will fuck you up <laughs> mentally. Oh, oh, you think you're safe here? <laughs> but anyway, no, oh. no sir, no sir, you are unsafe. <laughs> we we pushed everybody away. We did, and we also at one point to describe the house for people who don't know us. There were three bedrooms. No, there were two bedrooms. Yeah. And five of us living there. Six, if you count the guy on the couch. Corey. No, no. So Brian lived on the couch. Oh, then Brian was on the couch. Yeah. So Brian lived on the couch. You, myself, and Eric lived in the back room. That's Uh four. Alex and Mike Frolic were in the middle room. And Mike Wally moved in. 
Was Mike Wally living there? Yes, dude. I think Mike Wally... Mike Wally did move in, but he lived... Somebody moved out. Yeah, I don't remember how that went down. Was that when no, Eric no. got married? No. And then we all lived together again on Mountain Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was fun. Uh, you and I had some really good workouts yeah. on bikes. We are going to get to that. Because I do want... That's going to be a whole other conversation. But um, but anyway, th- the long story I will wrap up and say that I felt like I was missing out on things. And when I found that everybody else was getting the things that I thought we were all missing out on, even though we really weren't missing out, like you said, like I just had to experience those things for myself. And I went full on. Like I didn't jump in the shallow end. I dove headfirst into the deep end. I went right into the drugs. And, you know, and the, I'm not blaming this one girl. I was there. Yeah. Um, but the one girl who I was infatuated with and was just, it was purely lustful and sexual, just was very into drugs and was so comfortable with them that I just kind of went along with it. But I also wanted it. Like I really wanted the drugs and I was so miserable with myself. And that's really what led to my addiction. I was just miserable. It was like a bad cycle, but that was like the fight that I had with myself. Cause then once I started, you know, sleeping around with girls and starting like, um, you know, losing track of girl. I, I thought that was cool at that time. And really it was, it was just kind of pathetic. Like it really, that's, that's how I look back on it. Like for what I was tr- claiming to be and the things I was doing, it was so counter, like it was so contradictory of itself. But you also had to go through that. Yeah, I did. Like you had to it, make it, your it, own mistakes to get through it. So it's like, whatever, man. There's nothing I would do any different in my life. And I mean that even the things that I truly regret and still hold like some guilt to where I'm at today, it was worth it. I'm happy with where I'm at and the perspective I have on life. Um, but that was, that's what that was about. It was like, I just kept feeling I was missing out. And then when I would leave, I would have guilt of like, you know, once you taste something, like once you taste Mexican Coke with real sugar and then you get this fake high fructose corn syrup, it doesn't taste the same. That's a bad analogy, but it really is it, like. You're exactly right though. But there also, you could think people do this with. Like people do drugs when they're a kid to fit in and then they become addicted. Then they become addicts and then they go through therapy and they go through rehab and they go through all the shit just to come back to their childhood friends who had just never stopped smoking weed. It's like, oh, dude, you went and did heroin. We were just like here still smoking weed. Mm -hmm. So like people just go down their own path. So like you were trying to follow like a life that say like I was living. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was in my, I was in like, I was like 19, Mm -hmm. 20. Like I was a child and like girls showed me attention because the way I looked. Okay. But that was it. So you agree you're a handsome guy. No, I don't agree (laughs) with that. I don't agree. But I also think like. You're a handsome guy. They, 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 uh, it was like me or like some dude who smelled like shit. Like that was the options at, (laughs) at, at, uh, at the bar I was in illegally. (laughs) And I was also sober. I wasn't pissing on myself. Like, Yeah, I went way too hard. That's probably why it was so difficult for me in the beginning. Yeah, because you like coupled it with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Everything I did was sober. So it's even worse. <laughs> I made all these mistakes level-headed. <laughs> um, but I also had a huge anger problem. And I wanted to fight everyone all the time. Not only wanted to, you did. But I... I but that was... Dude, looking back... Like I haven't had a physical altercation that wasn't inside of a gym voluntary mm-hmm. for years. The last one was probably 11 years ago. 
or more. So if that video you pulled up was from 2013, we must have lived together in like 2010 on Mountain Street. Yeah, that actually makes sense. So 2010, we lived on Mountain Street, and Mountain Street was the last time that I got into like a actual fight with someone because I almost went to jail. Do you remember this story? I, I remember it very vividly and changed my whole perspective on the whole idea of fighting because I, I like to, to get into those fights too. Well, it was just like a guy cut me off in traffic mm-hmm. and then he like puts his finger out the window and I'm driving with my ex-girlfriend and I was like, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. I'm going to fight him. And I do some erratic driving and I cut him off and I, I block two lanes of traffic with a 2006 fucking Jetta (laughs) and I get out and the guy goes to open his door and I remember like the fight part was cool like he tried to like grab like a club or something Mm -hmm. and I like kicked in the door like I kicked my foot in when he had the door open and then like jumped on him we had like a little scuffle um looking back to like when we were on the ground and now that I like train on the ground I realize how awful I was Mm -hmm. (laughs) like literally like had this guy had any jujitsu experience i would be dead so that's scary and then also there were police two cars down Mm -hmm. uh, undercovers and they jumped out they put me in handcuffs luckily the dude was such an asshole they let me go he was such a prick they let me go i had to buy him new glasses the next day west coast opticals i'll never forget (laughs) and he was i go there he had these 600 hundred dollar glasses picked out and i was like the cop said I have to buy you, he said, your glasses were 350 bucks. I was like, I have 350. He's like, well, these ones that fit my eyes are 650. He's like, you want me to call them? And I was like, yeah, I do. Oh, I didn't know that. I remember you and then they me wanted me to, they wanted me to pay cash. And I was like, I'm paying with a card and I'm getting a receipt. Because like, I don't want to be in court over this. Huh. And I go to pay and the guy was like, oh, well, that's not how much. Do you have to pay for the whole glasses? And I was like. You can ring my card for 350 bucks. That's it. And they ring my card. It was like his buddy. When I get to the fucking eyeglass store, it's like his friend owns it. So they're both just going to make money on this. Yeah. Like he really probably had a $100 pair of glasses and they were making money. So that was the last time that I, I mean, I've wanted to punch people in the face since then, but I haven't. And then also just the amount of people that are actually trained who could fucking murder me. Is scary. Yeah. So there was two things for me that stopped everything. One was the incident at 19th and Market. I don't know if you remember this. I got in an argument with that same girl, or I don't even know if it's an argument. I just was broken up about something. Was and this when you were working at Sprint? Yeah, I was waiting for to take the bus home, and some guy was doing a delivery, and he blocked the whole 19th Street. So like the bus was mid-turn blocking Market Street which is a major road in Philly. And the bus is just sitting there laying on the horn and the guy is just sitting in his car like looking at his phone. I remember being really pissed because I wanted to just get home before something happened. And I go up and I'm yelling at him and he's just ignoring me looking down. And he flips me off and I punched his window and my fist went through the car window and the, the window exploded into his face. And he looks up at me totally calm and I just remember watching his face just start bleeding everywhere. And my knuckles were just, I was just pouring blood out of my hand. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, I just messed up. And then I'm like, all right, we're going to fight. So the guy gets out, and he's not a little dude. 
he's got like the traditional jail body. This dude had little chicken legs and from the, the from the waist down and above was like Kimbo Slice. This dude was huge. And this man knew what he was doing. He legitimately said to me, are you ready to duel? Which is part of a legal term where we were able to legally fight. And uh, he said, I challenge you to duel. Are you, are you prepared to duel? Or something really weird. And I found that about later. And I said, yes. And we started fighting. And he was just beating me down. Like my head looked like it had craters all over it. He was hitting me in the head so hard. I just had lumps everywhere. And I kept getting up. I just wouldn't stop getting up to keep hitting him and fighting. And he, he just, he knew he won. He knew he was bigger than me. And he just finally said, listen, man, it's done. It's done. And we were working out about how to, I was going to pay for the window. And I had calmed down a bit and a little embarrassed and lost my pride. And then I remember the cops came and I jumped on the bus and tried to leave. And then the cops pulled the bus over and they stormed the bus from the back and the front. And they're going through. And here I am in my my little wannabe fancy trench coat, like, you know, like wool trench coat, trying to act all professional. And they were walking around with a flashlight and they looked down. They looked at me and then they looked down at the floor of their flashlight and there's like a pool of blood. From your just, hand, yeah, it's just, it's it, it had a it was a slice between my knuckle. It was just dude, it was just leaking, and they didn't say anything. They just grabbed me uh, by my arms, and two cops grabbed me by my legs, and they just walked out of the bus with me, and laid me on the ground. And the guy was actually defending me, saying like, I you know we'll handle this. Like I don't want to press charges, you know this and that. But I ended up having to go to court uh, over that, and it scared me because I you know I spent some time in jail waiting and then got released. And I just going through the court process, I, w- I had to think a lot about that, but, um, there was that. And then I still had like the anger, but then I think, um, I can't remember if this was before or after, but it was both of these things. But do you remember punk rock, Steve? Can, I don't even know if I can say this on the air, but I mean, he was the South South street stabber. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about him. So, uh, I don't think he was ever called for that. He's a South street stabber, right? You don't have to agree. I mean, he, I don't, I don't know. He was. What who's what is the South Street Saber? What is that? There was a man who was getting in bar fights and pulling out knives and stabbing people. But there was no like proof of it? There was no like video or anything? There was no video, but he was toted as the South Street Stabber, and that was what was being reported in the newspapers. Interesting. And I remember going around with these group of people, like picking fights in bars. And just thinking like, and then with what he did, I mean, he winded up murdering, you know, a girl connected to our, well, I didn't know her well, but Gina, Gina, yeah. Connected to our friend group and went missing. And that then, was the craziest fucking thing ever. Yeah, I didn't mean to go into the story, but I'll go into it. So dude, <sighs> he, so that it's crazy. And also there's, I'm going to, I'm not going to say their name cause I don't know the reach of this podcast, but there's a person who I've forever been, I've questioned them because of their relationship with Steve and something that happened with uh, just someone that I don't trust because of that Steve situation. And I never quite heard their side of the story because they like they were involved afterwards and didn't go to the police right away. Did he have tattoos on his hands? I don't remember if he has tattoos. He has tattoos, but I don't remember if they were on his hands. I'm going to write his name real quick because he's going to be part of my story. Because th- this person also was involved in... A... Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, dude. Okay, so I was with him when he found out. You were? I was, or minutes after. 
I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want anybody to go at because this really isn't about him. So here's here's what I'll say. So, all right. So for weeks, we I remember sitting in Rittenhouse Square, and I remember Gina's family was actually there at one point, and she they were going around with like photos of her because she was missing, and Steve was you know claiming he had no idea where she was, and Steve was like nowhere to be found, and this was when he was we found out later was he was messing with crack and like went way beyond on the drugs than I ever would have thought he'd be comfortable with. But, um, I guess I shouldn't have been that surprised, but I guess they were living together. He was smoking crack and she went missing. And I remember seeing all the missing posters and it was just really uncomfortable. And, but I didn't think, I didn't think we were going to find out what we found out. So then this goes on for however long. And then I remember one day I was riding, my bike, I just left the house at 6th and South, and I see this person we're talking about, and he looks, he doesn't look good, dude. He looks messed up. And I was like, you all right, man? Like, I stopped, and we, we started talking. He, like, he was, something was wrong. And he goes, um, Steve just told me he murdered Gina. And, dude, my, I'm getting chills now. Like, it was such a, it was such a weird thing to hear. And I was like, What? And he tells me like a very where, where did you see him? This was on the corner of like where we lived. I had just I literally just left the house on Sixth and South and was like heading down the op, the wrong way on South Street. And he was in a panic. He's like, "Yeah, Steve just confessed to murdering Gina." And I just didn't I I didn't believe like it just didn't make sense. Like that's not something you you're prepared to hear. And I was like, well, "Like, what are you gonna do?" And this was right in front of the police station. I was like, so like, what what happens? So he tells me this brutal story, like all the details of why he did it and what happened. Tells me he's like, yeah, he cut her body up and put her in a trash can in New Jersey. This was before any of this was on the news. His family's property. On his family, his parents' so, property. I have a question. Didn't somebody go to the store with him to buy the trash cans? And then the U-Haul. There was like a person with him, wasn't there? I don't know about that. So. I don't. I, that that was that was the version I heard that there was somebody that went that with him to buy. Could have happened, and I think that's why that person got pulled in for questioning because they were there with him when he bought the trash can at Lowe's or wherever. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but, but I'm, not, um, I'm not positive. Yeah. And, and you know, your version sounds different than what I heard. Yeah. So, I mean, but I don't know. I wasn't with him when Steve told him this was. This was a conversation we had. Apparently, from what he said, was right after Steve confessed to him. And so he's telling me this, and I'm like, you have to tell the police. Like, you have to. And so I was convincing him to tell the police. And when we, when I had to get to work, and he goes, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. And that was the last time I talked to him about it for a while. And then I remember, you know, then everybody kind of knew what happened shortly thereafter. Um, but I just remember, dude, that, I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but, dude, I'll never forget the way I felt like the next couple of days, just thinking about like the kind of people that I wanted to be my friends. And like, this was the things I was surrounding myself with. And I questioned everything I was doing, man. I was like, this is what I want to be. Dude, there was times where I was like, remember getting into arguments with Steve, nothing crazy, but enough where I was like, if this guy wanted to fight, like I would fucking fight him. Turns out he may have stabbed me in the fucking throat. Had we been into a fight. 
Like we never got to a point where we were going to fight, but like, man, I definitely wasn't dancing around it if it were going to happen. Yeah. And that blows my mind. That like what people are capable of. Like when I say I want to fight you, it means I just want to fist fight. Yeah. It just means I want to like, but bo- us both get hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't want to yeah. murder anybody. Yeah. And that's like the line where it's like, that's why I decided to stop fighting too. It's like, you can't, you don't know what someone's capable of. Mm-hmm. Steve being a prime example. And for those of you listening, he is in prison still. But yeah, but life in prison yeah. because he fucking murdered somebody, stabbed them. And gruesome. Gruesome. Oh, like, I, the, I don't the, the story it. is out of control. It's it's psychopathic, the reason and the amount of stat like it was it's like one of the crazy things you watch on, on Netflix. Like it, that was a, a horrific story. It's actually unbelievable. And yeah, there's a there's a song about it. I didn't know that. Oh, yes I did. In fact I just found that album. About two weeks ago, and listen. Wait for the first time, or just no, like okay. again, like it was on my phone, and I was like, oh, and I put it on leaving Philly a couple weeks ago. And I remember listening to all the music, and I was like, this is this is gruesome. Like this whole album is pretty dark. Yeah, uh, I almost had one of their songs made about me. I love, but I, I love Mike. Yes, yeah, so dude. I, the I called him randomly one time. But I couldn't commit to what I needed to do. I was, I randomly FaceTimed him and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, Hey, can you like go to that photo you bought from Carmen of Eric painted him like in a shower of meatballs (laughs) and spaghetti and meatballs was coming out of the shower, right? Spaghetti and meatballs coming out of the shower. At one point there was like, what was the one with the world trade centers? It was the world trade centers, but it was, it was like a alternate universe where the world trade center was alive and it was eating the plane. It's just, it had its mouth open, like catching it. Yeah, and I asked him to send that to me. Art. And uh, he only had the one photo, I think. Uh, I think it was you with the pepperoni nipples. Mm-hmm. I was like telling someone to oh, work. I forgot I had the pepperoni. In real life. Well, I mean, also in the painting. I forgot yeah. how realistic it was. So, Ian, they were very uneven. Um, and I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And, yeah, I was like telling someone at work about this, like, weird art Eric made. Yeah. And they were like, what are you saying? And I was like, I just have, I think I know someone who bought it. They were like, somebody purchased it. And I was like, yeah, let me call him. I think he bought him for 80 bucks. He like paid real money for him. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, and he still has them in his museum that he calls a house. Yeah. That is. Have you been to his house? Yeah. Not, not not recently. I watch all the work he did. He's actually one of the few people that I stay in contact with, uh, from the city. I talked to Mike, a lot. Um, I mean, not a lot, but enough. And normally just ask answering car questions or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he's a, uh, I like Mike. Yeah, I like Mike a lot. I never would have thought I would like somebody from what, what people are probably thinking right now to like the reality of who Mike really is. As like, like when I think of Mike, I think of like a truly down to earth, like loyal guy that I just, I trust. I, I think I would trust him in any scenario. To be honest with me, and up front, and like on paper, not a trustworthy guy. No, but like in real life, trustworthy. Yeah, actually, no. On paper, also trustworthy, and upfront. Like you know what you're getting with Mike. Yeah, and Mike was always so good to me. Like Mike was one of the other people, like in my life. Like when I look back on like people who, despite the way I felt about myself, like just totally took me under the wing and accepted me, and was just good and kind to me. Um, 
Mike is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, he's like a... And still has been for all these years. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Love you, Mike. I love you too, Mike. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him that. Um, yeah, it's funny. But yeah, dude, this was some weird times. It's so bizarre, like the craziness in that time, but also when I look back, it was some of the some of the most joyous times of my life, like the most freeing times of my life. Not that I'm not happier now, but it was just an experience that I'm so glad I could look back on. The, some of the nights we had at like some of the summer nights we had at, uh, sitting in front of the thrift shop. Mm -hmm. Retro, right? Retro. Yeah. You want to go to retro? It's not retro anymore. Well, no, it's nothing now. Oh, you were, yeah, that was the, always the thing. Let's but like, retro. it was, we was would sit, we would sit there or we would go to Rittenhouse and we would sit there and like, we were our own clique. Like there were these other cliques. We would go to Water Street and there were their own, yeah. there was their own clique. Like Jesse Jambox and those people, we hung out with them. We were cool with them. We yeah. loved them, but that was their own circle. But like you... Me, Ali, everyone that lived in the house, Brian. Mm-hmm. Like, those were some of the fucking best years. Dude, we were the DDC. We were. Uh, you weren't. Well, I wasn't at that time. You weren't. It was just Ali, uh, Alex, and myself. Oh, wait. So DDC stands for Dead Dads Club, which is a horrible way to kind of confront the fact that multiple people had dads that passed away. and it just Before they were closer. 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when they were adolescents. You guys did honorably, uh, you know, make me an honorable member. I remember that when my dad died. And I, I still think that that was actually really sweet. That at the time when I lost my dad, you guys brought me into a club. <laughs> no, but we did make it a joke first that only Glenn was invited. Oh, yeah. Okay. We did invite you afterwards, but we did make you feel bad at first. Yeah. What was the, well, then what was the club that somebody spray painted on the front of our house? The Oh, Bad Hair Club. Ali did that. Didn't he spray BHC? That was the name of our house? It was the BHC? He he may have. Maybe that was just a random spray paint that I just bought in that it was the Bad Hair Club for no reason. Yeah. Never made sense. You know who I randomly like drove in the woods with? Like we went off-roading? Bill. Really? Like like <laughs> last year, like during the beginning of the pandemic, he's like, yeah, like, I'll, like I made a post like, hey, we're all going to the Pine Barrens. Anybody want, anybody want to come? And mm-hmm. he was like, Sure. I'll meet you there. Oh, and then all cool. of a he did meet us there. Yeah. And he just did the bill thing where I was like, how you doing? And he's like, fine. Yeah. Just working. Yeah. And just like very funny. Do and you know he's having a kid? I believe it. Yeah. He's been with the same woman for a decade. Dude, she is amazing. She is everything he needed and wanted and more. And they are, they are really funny together. And his jobs are crazy. He's like, oh yeah, I just went and bought like... $100,000 worth of something that oh I'm going to turn. Yeah. He does like insane shit. Owns the flower business. Yeah. The fl- well, flower guy and uh, headstones. Just whatever. Whatever you want. This last year, I'm not going to say why, but it's probably been pretty good for him. It's, yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. I think it was all the COVID car accidents. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude, when you were when you first mentioned about driving in the woods, I thought you were going to talk about the time that me and you went to the woods. Where did we go? Remember when you and I drove out to the woods and you're like this city boy who was uh, maybe you were put on a front, but you were afraid of the woods. And remember you stopped the car for something and I got out and ran I just ran away and I laid down in the woods and I remember you were screaming like this is not funny like you were at panicking. 
for me to get back in the car. You were threatening to leave me. I think I was blocking that out of my memory. Can you? I was, was it Kranza? I don't know. I wouldn't know. We. I think we were looking for things from that book that came out of like um, Weird New Jersey. Was that around that time? Was it just you and I? Yeah. What car? I don't know, because I was running away from it. So that's that's the part I remember. No, but like, what car would I have been driving? We were in my car. I drove us. I stopped the car. And you I, had a car? In the middle of the woods. This what was my dad's you? car that Glenn stole from me. Remember I woke up one day and my car was gone? It was Glenn. My little brother stole my car. All right. Well, anyway, I drove us somewhere, and then I stopped in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night, and I just got out of the car and ran away from you and left you in the middle of the woods, and you were threatening to take the car and leave. Anyway, I thought that's what you were bringing up. No, I don't remember that at all. It was 100% you. I I believe you. Yeah. And that sounds like something I would have done back then. You must have had that car for a short amount of time, because I don't remember it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Glenn stole that car from me, went on a snowboarding trip, and left a ski mask in the back of the car before I got it back, which is what John John Milby put on when we were driving through Camden, which is what got us pulled over and almost sent me to jail for the rest of my life when I got caught with all that ammo and, and guns. Yeah, Glenn's a real... Glenn's a, He's a special guy. He is very special. It was pretty funny, though. It is, but you could have avoided a lot of uh, turmoil. Yeah. But you had some questions about bike riding. Yeah. So, man, we really went into it. Vinny and I had a lot of good times together, and that's, uh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed some of these stories as much as I did reminiscing. But, yeah, so, dude, I have, for my entire life, also been trying, or my entire adult life, tried to get back like not back but like really just get healthy uh i've been so uncomfortable like with my weight and i've pushed it my weight i've always been big like as far as i can remember like i can't remember a time when i wasn't i know i was smaller as a kid but anyway i was always like the fat kid and as much as it was funny like i really didn't like the way i felt and my knee was so bad from all the surgeries i've gotten and i've had multiple since and I remember you were the first person to not just say that they wanted to help me lose weight, but actually, like, dev- you devoted that portion of your life to, like, getting me healthy. You were, like, you really, like, went above and beyond. Like, that was beyond friendship. You and I were, we were living together, right? That was at Mountain House? It was the Mountain Street House, yeah. Mountain Street House. I remember you were, like, motivating me all the time. I remember I was eating nothing but boiled chicken and ketchup packets. Remember that? Yeah. And you were like, you don't have to do that. I was like, no, I need to torture myself. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to be completely miserable. Yeah. But, and I think that's why people revert back to old habits because they do stuff like that. Mm. They torture oh, themselves. Yeah. So yeah. like you, you like, you got to do something that's sustainable. Yeah. And then like realize like what's sustainable and what's not. Um, yeah. But I lost almost 100 pounds with you. We I were remember. riding bicycles. Dude, you were over 300. I remember when you went under 300, it was like this huge deal. Yeah. And then you were like, all of a sudden, you were down to like 240-something. It was crazy. Dude, I still have the picture of me like taking my my first selfie as like not the total fat guy. That was through a winter. I remember I went to the bar for mm-hmm. the first time when spring broke, and I like met a bunch of girls there, and they were like, oh, Carmen? Like, And I was like, yeah, damn right, it's Carmen. Yes, yeah, it's the me. new Carmen. Nipples are the same, but the belly's smaller. <laughs> Yeah, and then that always helped your physique, though. 
the what? breast the breast surgery. Oh, you son of a bitch! I never mentioned that. Um, you don't have to mention it. But the, oh, hold on, now I do because now people are hearing. Listen, but, as a ch- no, you brought it out there. I have to explain this. Um, this is something actually that is probably the most personal thing in my entire life that I would never have shared on here. But I don't believe in editing things out. So thank you. Uh, no, it's all good, dude. It's part of my life. When I was a kid, I went on a med- I was on a lot of medications from all the psychiatrists I was seeing, and they were really dangerous. One of them caused me actually is where my weight gain really started. I gained seventy pounds over a few months while on bed rest from a knee surgery that turned into three knee surgeries from infections. And anyway, I gained a ton of weight, but also the medication I had caused gynecomastia, which is like male like breast tissue, like. It, it wasn't like I had, like, voluptuous boobs, but I had, I just, like, you know how some fat people have, like, the man boobs and some don't? I didn't before that, but then I started getting, like, the man boobs fat guy. Um, and I had, th- this is a much longer story than I want to get into, but basically, you know, people around me and my family who cared a lot, you know, fought for me to have something done, and I winded up getting, um, like, a reduction surgery to help curve what the medication had done and some of the surgery left me pretty bad badly scarred which is actually why i started tattooing my chest to try and cover up some of it i mean i've come to terms with it for the most part now it's still actually it's probably one of the most conscious parts about me so thanks um but yeah dude i winded up getting a little bit of a sweet deal from that in fact uh it's called this house yep like, they, they were like, you get to live right outside Chester. <laughs> no, like 25 years later, dude, I settled a lawsuit and I made the second most in the entire country um, from a class action lawsuit from that medication. There was only one other person in the country that made more than me. I had, because of how extreme my case was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't make millions, but I put a massive down payment on a house. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a blessing, but I, I do feel like I deserved it from those bastards. You know, yeah. for putting that out there for a child. I'm I'm going to ask you another question later after we, we talk about this heartfelt friendship we have about you losing weight. Yeah. Well, it was easy to motivate you. Mm-hmm. And it was also easy when you're... Like anyone who's lost weight knows, if you're like very out of shape, the first bit is easy to lose. Like oh, you yeah. were losing yeah. like two and three pounds a day. Yeah. Like it was like you were getting results immediately. So like, yeah, I was motivating you, but really you were seeing the results and you were like, fuck, this is easier than I thought it would be because I'm trying. And we were having fun, dude. We were like challenging each other up the Maniunk Hill and, yeah. you know, doing like these long rides. Like I really enjoyed myself and I you felt good. You wrote up good. Green Lane, dude. Green yeah, Lane is steep. And when I think about what you wrote up Green Lane with, with like a 23 tooth cog on your cassette, which is like nothing. Most bikes are coming with like 28 and 32 now. So you're going up that hill at 300 pounds to the top. It's crazy. But you were losing so much weight. And I think it got to a point where one, the weight was coming off slower. And you were torturing yourself by not enjoying food. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to fall off the wagon. Yeah. If you can find a balance where like you get to eat still what you want, Mm -hmm. just like different portions. And work out, you'll be happy. So that's actually, it's taken me up until about two years ago to figure that out. I was pushing close to 400 pounds and Eric, this is when I was living in South Philly still, I went to go reach for something and I was wearing like a 4X shirt that was probably too small. How much do you weigh now? Uh, Well, uh, like 282. But I was pushing 400 pounds and Eric goes, damn dude, he's like, you look big. Like Eric is just... (laughs) 
he's out there, right? He's not gonna sugarcoat it. And it it dude, it hurt, but not when not because of him saying that, but because he was right. And I started trying to change my habits and slowly doing it and trying to curve and like it took me like a couple years to get to that point where I was like, all right, this is how I could do it. And now I'm at a point where I do intermittent fasting Monday through Friday. But if I break it, I don't care because that's I, I've learned how to curve it um, to where I can live life like normal. But I do intermittent fasting and it saves me money and I feel more energetic throughout the day. So I try and eat like one meal and a snack a day when I get home from work. Um, and I, I do keto also mostly, mostly keto, but sometimes intermittent. And then like on the weekends, I kind of just roll with whatever happens. And I've been slowly losing weight and my portions, like I don't have to do portion control. I can't, like, I can't finish a full steak. And I, if you're putting sides, like I'm, I'm not going to finish like anything. I'm going to get a couple bites of something. Like I just don't have the stomach for it anymore. Oh, you'd love my barbecue tofu. Yeah. <laughs> you'd fuck up a whole block. <laughs> Probably would. No, I could still eat. But I, I, I get punished for it. Like, it's like, do I want that piece of pizza and my back and knee is going to swell for like multiple days because now my intolerance to gluten and other things is so severe because I don't eat it much that when I do jump back into it, I have to suffer. So like, it's not like, oh, Infl- I can have this one piece. It's like, yeah, it's like if I have that one piece Monday, Tuesday and possibly Wednesday are going to suck. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. So I've gotten to the point now where I've really found a balance and I've been slowly losing. So I was like 375, 380, and now I'm down to the 285, 282 area. I feel like you're, Still going. your body, like between 230 and 250 would be like, you would be a different person. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Like, can you just think about that? If you yeah. lose 50 pounds, like, you're like pretty agile for being big. Mm-hmm. It's something I always remembered about you. Like you're like 300 pounds, but you like do regular shit. It, well, I never wanted to be left out for anything for my weight. So I always pushed. Yeah. And I thought that was always like, that was always cool. And it made me think like other people I've met that are like held back by their weight. I'm like, are you held back or do you just not want to do it? Cause like one, I'll be like one of my best friends is literally 300 pounds rode up green lane. Yeah. Green lane. Dude, that like felt so good. 17% grade. At, at points or 12 or 13 percent grade it's steep as fuck and yeah it was incredible and it's like three it's like, i, w- I want to say it's like a half a mile um but yeah that was a that was a cool time i remember we would we would set our bikes up on the trainers looking at each other mm-hmm. yeah. with the heat on yeah and riding it in the room it's just Piling up a little pool sweat do, below us. Do I have a false memory of your bike falling off the trainer and you like <laughs> going into the cabinet or something? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure there was a point where like you I were be surprised. We were like doing an interval, like for five minutes, or like a song came on and we were like, "Hey, till the end of the song, like let's go as hard as we can." Mm-hmm. And both of us not knowing what intervals were, we just start going hard, and you like came unclipped and like the trainer <laughs> fell and then you went into the dresser. It was like you had so much momentum going yeah. that you came off the trainer. And I was like, Dude, I, that was fun. When you weren't around, I do you remember I had uh, I had my laptop. I would open up and I would look at a, a POV uh, camera view of Lance or was it Lance Armstrong doing the French? What was that? What was the big thing that he won a bunch? That one big race? Well, anyway, it was me and it was the me. fucking tour to France. Dude? Yeah, that thing. I don't know, French. The French fry, the French fry race. No, but I would watch that and I would ride with him to victory. 
and I uh, would, he's climbing uh, Alp Duez, and you're like, I'm going to get to the top of Alp Duez while sitting stationary in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, stuff like that but you it was need. Fun. You need that motivation. And now think about it. Peloton's the fucking biggest thing on earth. Dude, it's crazy. They're so expensive. We have the treadmill at home. Nice. I had a piece of equipment down here, but I broke it, bringing it down here, and then threw it down, out. Yeah, threw it out. Do you have to pay someone to pick up your garbage? Does that? No. Oh, you don't. No. I was gonna say, would that kill you inside? Oh, it pissed me off. Yeah. Like I'm imagine, not a trash man anymore. I know you're not. Yeah. We had that talk. Yeah. Um, That's right. We had that talk, and I thought it was crazy. And you gave me some insight on insurance companies, and I was like, "Wow, that's fucking crazy." Yeah. Um. Yeah. You, I was excited that uh. That you were you were getting into bikes, and I remember being like, "Karma's going to completely transform." And where where did it get lost? Like, where was the moment where there was a disconnect between, like, you and then, like, uh, a life of fitness? You mean, like, when I quit? Yeah, like, why? I don't remember, like, what when happened. I was, when I was having sex with girls, when the sun, when the sun started coming out and days oh. were longer. And, then, and I and you didn't like, want to go to gym. And you newfound skinniness. Yeah. I was like, new body, new me. Ah, the summer yes. of me. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you have children and a wife, yeah. um, a wife that's, like, Better looking than I thought you would ever have a wife. I know. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, so now I really should be letting myself go completely, right? No, you should be unletting yourself go. You should be finding yourself <laughs> and sticking around for your children and your wife. I dude. know, dude. That's what got me on it. Is, is the kids? My yeah, dad the, died the, early. You know, your dad died early because he was out. He was fat. Yeah, he never took care of himself and didn't, and didn't care. I have a dead dad from being fat. Yeah. He did steroids, then got fat, and then got dead. Yeah. That was the progression of his life. He yeah. got muscles, and then he got fat, and then he got dead. So I have sympathy for it if you couldn't change it. Yeah. But you totally can, dude. Yeah. And I witnessed it. Like, I witnessed you, like, transform from, like, a fat guy to someone who was 50, 60 pounds less. Yeah. So. Well, so, oh, another thing, too. This just happened. Breaking news. Ding, 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 ding. Is that the right music? No. Anyway, we'll go with it. Um, so last uh, year uh, CNN, and a half my ago, favorite channel. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, I went to get blood work done because, you know, my wife's a nurse. She's constantly on me about my weight and my health. And I was like teetering with still learning like this way that I live now, which is super like convenient. Um, and she wanted me to get blood work done. So I got blood work done. And through the doctor, if... Maybe this doesn't sound weird to you listening, but it was it hit home really hard. The doctor was like reading my numbers, and he's like, "I want to start you on this medicine and that medicine, and that medicine." And I just remember visually like just being brought back and like transformed like into my father's room, and looking at all the pills that he had, and he was just naming off like the pills that my dad was on. And I remember thinking like, "I'm gonna die. Like if I do this, this pill is gonna make me feel like I can." like have an excuse to live poorly. And I was like, I don't want that. Like that's what my dad did. And I just refused. Are you on anything now? Uh, nothing for anything like that. So I went, I went a year and got my blood work done and got checked this Wednesday, Wednesday, a couple, like a few days ago. I reversed everything. Well, yeah. Cause you tried. Yeah. He was yeah. like all proud of me and he was, he was like, you keep it up. So now I've, I got some affirmation that like what I'm doing is good. There's a couple things to improve on, but he was, he said a lot of his genes, but he said you literally dropped everything I was worried about and like all the stuff that's putting at risk, you you backtracked all of it. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep it up. I think that's 
that's great. And yeah. I, and I, it's always like alarming to me when people are like, they're on a blood thinner, they're on uh medicine for their cholesterol. And it's like a lot of cholesterol isn't even fucking bad. Yeah. Like my wife's cholesterol is like out of, out of control. She is extremely healthy. I can't imagine that. But like good cholesterol. Okay. Yeah. And so that was the only bad thing. My good cholesterol went down, but that probably has to do with the fact that I'm not eating enough. Or like, so when I am eating smaller portions, I should probably be eating like certain things first, like maybe finishing the vegetables before I move on to the steak. But I mean, you know, I learned, uh, I'll just curtail it to my life. But yeah, that's interesting though. I always think of like skinny people as being like uber healthy. Yeah, but they're not. No. Not always. I mean, no. yeah, but I think it's, but how quick we prescribe medicine. Like when I was a kid, I was on prescribed Zoloft, which turns out was awful. Like 12 years old. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot for a kid. You're 12, you're on a you're fucking supposed massive to be going antidepressant. coasters and experiencing and life. Could, and I remember my mom got me off of it because there was like a moment she was yelling at me. And I was just like, I don't care what you're saying right now. And she was like, oh, this fucking kid is off his rockers. He's gone. Like I had no uh, emotional attachment to anything. Like I didn't care. Like she was, I remember she's screaming at me and I'm just like, I don't know why, but like, I don't even like you. I don't care that you're yelling at me. I don't care that this is your house. And then I had to get off. It attaches you, dude. It really did. And then I felt, started feeling like that. And any person in my family would like say something I'd be like what the fuck are you gonna do and it was all because someone prescribed me a pill when I was a child so same thing people do when they go to the doctor and they're like hey we did your blood work your cholesterol's high Mm -hmm. and it's like I'm not gonna tell you to start eating better what I'm gonna do is give you a pill to keep your cholesterol Mm -hmm. down that pill has three side effects you're gonna need these two other pills to counter them dude that's my childhood I mean, that's all the medicines I was on. That's like, it was so quick to prescribe me. Like everything, dude. I was on so many antipsychotics and I just was a kid that needed to talk to somebody. Like it sucks. Yeah. That's but the then if you RX ta- generation. But if you talk to someone, they would have just given you a different pill. Yeah, but, well, so yeah, I kept going to people to talk to and they kept prescribing, they were all psychiatrists giving me medicine and nobody wanted to actually talk. So I lost faith in those people and just thought they were a bunch of jokes. And anyway, I, I was an angry kid. I mean, I had reasons as well, but. I didn't need those meds. That's not that never helped me. Never gave me anything but but more problems. Yeah. But um it's wild. It's wild uh, that uh pills are what did you call it? RX generation. The RX generation. We we grew up in the time when that was that was the thing. That became very popular. I feel like I had a million friends that were on Ritalin. Yeah, me too. Like I every- used to trade Ritalin with my buddies at school for what was I on? What was the other one? Adderall? Yeah, I would trade them my Adderall for the Ritalin. And we would both get opposite effects from it. That's exactly what your parents wanted. Yeah. And the doctors. Yeah. And also they were sending you to school with your Ritalin? Well, the nurse would... So the nurse would... We would have to get it at a point during the day. And the nurse would give it to us. And we would lay it under our tongue. Your headphones look more comfortable. They are more comfortable. I actually was looking today at Walmart to get a better set of headphones. I thought those were nice. They they, they the look nice. Yeah. Are they uncomfortable, like wearing them long I have, periods? I have Will Smith ears. 
Yeah. Well, no, you're you're the second person said that. I think I should invest in like a better set of headphones for like my yours guests. have more circumference. It looks like they're actually like over your ears. This is like pinching. I got these because they're bigger and from stretching my ears, my earlobes like they they're big enough that they still create a seal. You also have fucking face tattoos everywhere now. Yeah, I do. It's weird. I couldn't see them for a while, dude. I just cut my hair. I've been growing it out for three years to donate. Oh, you know what's funny? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, nobody seems to have noticed. I well, you're went from like really long hair to well, I used I don't know. I just thought it was more noticeable. I was like all excited. Take Jenny your, hasn't seen it yet. Take your hat off. I am also. I look thinner too now that I cut it off. I can actually see my weight loss a little bit more. Um. You have a proceeding hairline. It's going down as you get older. It's yeah. Which my is hair. Nice. I got great hair. You do. Have I do have hair. grays coming in. I'm catching up, dude. Yeah, I got a couple. I got one right here in the middle of the beard. Like, yeah, I got I got two or three. I'm very excited about it. Um, well, you remember I was going. I had like some grays when I was in my like early twenties. Yeah, and then something happened. I want to say I was like 27, 28, and I was talking to Aaron, and like I was delusional about how many I had. I like <laughs> thought I just had it on the top still, and I was like, yeah, but it's weird. It's just on the top, and she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like the gray hair, like it's just not. It's just like staying up here. And she was like, Vinny, it's your whole head. Like the back, the sides. Every, I was like, what? <laughs> like I had this like realization that like I was 50% gray. Does it bother you? No. What am I going to do about it? And people yeah. were like, dye it. Do this. It's like. I think it looks cool. I, I, it's just it, my it hair. It looks you, yeah. It's, it's just my hair. And it's like I don't see people that I haven't seen in a couple of years. And they're like, whoa, dude, you got a lot of gray. <laughs> and I'm like, if you haven't seen someone in five years. Yeah. And they gained 50 pounds. Would you be like, yo, dude, you got fat. And so, I always bring that up. I always go, yeah. hey, would you tell someone they gain weight if they gain weight? Yeah. And they were like, they were like, no. And I'm like, well, you can control getting fat. You can't control your gray hair, dude. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. But yeah, I'm fine with it. I think it's I think it's very becoming of you. I think you're you're you were you're a silver fox before all of us. Yes, and now I'm well. I'm almost at the age where the gray hair is like normal. Yeah, but like five years ago, it was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Are you? One time, Ali asked me if I had previously done heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Does that he was turn like, your hair gray? Because my hair was gray, and I was like 25, and he was like, oh, weird. He's like, did you do heroin? And I was like, no, dude. <laughs> First of all, I've known you for five years. That means. I was 20, so, like, the time I would have done heroin would have been between 15 and when I met you and I was fully recovered. That's funny. Like, I did enough heroin before I met you when I was 20 that it altered the color of my hair. And then fully recovered. And I fully recovered. Um, yeah, and then, like, my... I like the pictures from, like, three years ago. I had, like, a couple gray hairs uh-huh. in my beard. My entire chin is gray. Yeah, I I'm not being. Fu- I actually I'm jealous of it. I'm glad you. I get excited every time I find a new gray hair, whether it's in the top of my head or in my beard. Was your dad gray? I don't know. I don't think he was. You're gonna be one of those dudes who go gray really late. Yeah. I wish I could. I would trade with you. Absolutely. If there was a way to do it, I would do that for you. But I'd really be doing it for me. Well, in the Bible, Wait, when I get them in my eyebrows, yeah. I'm gonna be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> well, that'll be bad because then from a distance, it'll look like you have no eyebrows, and they'll just be gray. Yeah. 
Well, the Bible says that a man with a gray beard is a sign of wisdom, you know, because he's lived long. So I've always... Because he's old. Yeah, because he's old. And he's lived long enough to have some experience. But I've always liked that verse, and I, I like to think that with each one is a new lesson I've learned. Let, let me see. you have any? All right. So this is my favorite one. This is the big one. It's somewhere right in here. It's so hidden in black hairs oh, come that on. I can't It's just because it. the way I brushed it. It's usually front and center. I check on it, and I'm like very careful <laughs> when I brush that area because I don't want to pull it out. And then I have a few other ones. I have like a multicolored beard, but there's a few there's a few grays in there, and I got I got them coming in on top of my head over the past few years. I'm 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 legitimately excited about it. That's great, man. I'm yeah. happy for you. I'm glad that thanks dude. you want gray hair. Thanks. Aaron doesn't have a single gray hair. No. Nope. Doesn't dye her hair. Doesn't have any. Nice. That's what I'm saying. It is yeah. nice. It is nice when you have. Because realistically, it's like I'll meet people at work, and I'm riding up like their service mm-hmm. for their bike, and they're talking to me, and they're like telling me stories, and they're like in their forties. And I can tell from the stories and the way they're telling me, they think we're the <laughs> same age. <laughs> and that's so fucked up to me. It's <laughs> so like I have this dad and they're like, yeah, you know. And I'm like, the way you said that tells me that you think I'm at least 40. In a few more years, people are going to ask you how you're enjoying your retirement. Yeah. Like, oh, are you here? Is this a part-time gig oh, for yeah, you? Yeah. Is this a part-time job just while you're retired? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm retired. I just want to stay busy. I was bored at home. It's like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm, yeah, well, right now, what am I, 32 or three or something? Do you forget your age? I don't even know how old I am. Dude, I forget my age all the time. How I don't old are you? 32 or 33. What year were you born? 1988. Yeah, you're 33. Okay. I'll, I'll believe you. Thanks. Yeah. I, dude, I forget, and it happened as soon as I turned 30. When's your birthday? September 5th. Damn. My social security number is one two eight 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 three three nine four zero. I don't know if that was enough numbers, but it was all fake. Can I pee? Oh, this guy's got to pee. Yes, go pee. All right. Fill the time. All right. Recently added music. You know what? This is the band we were talking about earlier. I'm not going to play that song, though. Hey, what's up? We're Sparkle Fight, and this is what your pussy sounds like. Okay, we're not going to play that one. Oh, meet me at the Barbary. So we're here at the Barbary with hipsters. And we're going to ask a few questions on Philly fashion, music, and culture. Okay, so alcoholic beverage of choice. If you could choose between one of the two, what would it be? Yards or PBR? PBR. Uh, that was a stupid question. I drink um, Jameson. It's a gluten-free beverage. Okay, can you tell us about this lovely outfit you have on and where you purchased it from? This is a black and blue You know what this is? My mustache has fucked the world. I do know what this is. It's so good. I kind of just want to play out. I don't even know if I'm going to edit this out. It's kind of vibing right now. Nobody's going to like this. This intermittent. Yeah, of course. Is this Tiger Beats? No, it's Spawn Fight. No, I know, but like, is it, they're, talking, they're at it's Tiger Beats. Or no, uh, Meet Me at the Barbary. Wasn't it called Tiger Beats? Tiger Beats was a, an event that was held, I think, every Tuesday night. It was like at the Barbary. Rock. Yeah. 
That's where. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is Tiger Beats. <laughs> I love them. Oh God. You, you should go check that out. It's uh, Sparkle Fight. Or don't check it out. Don't don't Sp- don't check it out. We don't want them to be missing. The album is Sperm Tsunami. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I never knew that. Me either. <laughs> because, you know, it's funny because the album is such like a hodgepodge. It looks like something Schlack drew. That's like totally Schlack style of art. I'm yeah. curious if he did it. But then I, ha- I still have the original CD. Um but I can't really read much of what's in that. Other is that than on Spotify? Fight. This is on Apple Music. I was blown away that this was on there, but I guess that's the first time I've seen the name of the album. Sperm Tsunami. It sounds right. Mike loves dicks. Yeah. And like talking about them and being about them and like shape the shape <laughs> of them and seem it like he loves dicks. So yeah. not surprised. Yeah. Mike's no. like a free spirit. He's a pretty free spirit. Like a free spirit in the sense of like, if you wanted to talk to him about anything you could and like, I imagine he's done some stuff that we haven't sexually. I remember sitting at the Barbary. Do you remember when they started adding those like digital like jukeboxes, but you can like, hey, text a photo of you at the bar to pound whatever, and then the photos of you at the bar would start showing up? Well, I remember one day Mike and I were at the bar, and there were some girls there. I didn't know that they were working. Not at the bar, but they were working. They, they were there on business. Yeah. Anyway, I, or maybe they met them afterwards. I can't remember. All I know is I stayed at the bar and Mike left. And then shortly thereafter, photos started popping up at the bar that should not have been showing up at the bar oh of them back at the God. house. <laughs> I should ask him about that to find out when, like, the timeline of that. But I just remember being like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh. oh my god, Mike is oh, he's so funny. Yeah. You should do one of these with him. That would actually be really wild. He would do it. He would. Dude, he had this um picture of Jesus on the cross. And he he like loved that I was like his Christian buddy. But him and remember? I had a battle with that. Yeah. With that photo specifically. Well he hung upside down. Well, hold on. You know we lived together at, yeah. uh, on Poplar Street. Yeah. And it's you, him, and Rachel, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I would flip it upright every I day. He did that too. All right. And then he would flip it upside down. Yeah. Every time I was over his house, I would on my way to, out out the door, I'd flip the flip the picture as well. Yeah. And he also, man, that was such a shitty house. Such an awful house. Like it was just a shitty house. Um, it was like overpriced. Yeah, it was shitty. I remember he bought a hot tub. Oh yeah, that and it was in the yard. Hot tub, yeah, it was, but it was like very dirty for sure. I don't remember. It was the only hot tub I went in, so for me that was the highest standard of hot tub I've ever been in. <laughs> and I remember he got it from. All right, so Mike bought a hot tub from Walmart.com. It got delivered to the Walmart. 
when he got there, they couldn't find it, or like something weird happened with this hot tub. He leaves with it anyway. Then calls and says, hey, they couldn't find the hot tub. I want a refund. And they refunded him. No. He got a free hot tub. Nice, Mike. I didn't or know that. He got a free hot tub, or he went and picked up the second one. There was one or the other. He either went and picked That's it up. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember the time I went over there, there was and then we lived, the owner of Bike Stop, the gay biker bar. I remember I wore a Bike there? Stop shirt around because I got it. It was like in our yeah. laundry. I always wore it. Zero idea it was a gay biker bar. Yeah, I found out a lot of things about that bar. That bar was uh, and interesting. And looking at the shirt, it looked like it had the, you know, like, there was essentially a guy wearing assless chaps <laughs> on the shirt. And I was like, this is a cool shirt. The Bike Stop. <laughs> have you ever been there? No, I never have. I yeah, mean, me and, neither. But and anyway, have, the time I was there... No, I went there one day and I had my my Harley, the 48, and I went up there. I had no shirt on and short, short, cut off jeans. And I was like, I'm going to fit right in because that's how I dressed all the time. I wasn't trying to be funny gay. Yep. Like I just looked like I might have been a gay biker all the time. And I just like ripped it up onto the pavement right in front of the door, hopped off, went inside. And I remember going inside and it was the creepiest thing anybody's ever said to me at the bar. So, all right, I open up the door. It was my first time there. The door opens up and I see a guy on his knees and I thought they were, you know, having a good time, but he was, it was the way that they, you buy raffle tickets. I guess like the guy selling the raffle tickets would get on his hands and knees and pretend to be doing, you know, performing fellatio. And as he's pulling the tickets out, I don't even, I don't know how else to explain that. So I'm like, all right, that's what kind of bar it is. And then apparently there was a, a leather room and you had to have leather to get in there. I didn't have leather on. So I went up to the bar and some dude, big dude comes up behind me. And puts his arm around me and drops it down and squeezes my butt cheek and leans over into my ear and he goes, I like the way you grew up. I don't know what that meant, but at the moment he said that, I was convinced that he was someone I knew from my childhood that was like into me as a little boy. And now uh, as a man, he was like real happy with the way I plumped up. Uh, I realize now it was just a creepy pickup line. Yeah. I didn't pay for a single drink that night. I didn't care. I went into it. I played along, and I got free drinks all night, and it was a great night. You guys, you remember my secret. What what secret? Remember you guys followed me? No. I would walk and get pizza. This is ringing a bell. So, oh, I, I remember pizza. I, I would leave 13th Street Pizza. It was good pizza. They had like it's barbecue so chicken good. pizza. They had regular pizza. Dude, yeah. they had the best pizza. And there would be nights where you guys would be like, where did you go? Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, I just like I just went for a walk. <laughs> and you'd be like, be like, where are you going when you disappear? Yeah. And then I think it was like you and Alex or Alex maybe like followed me. Yep. Like a, like it you was were a like, reconnaissance uh, mission. And you were yeah. like, where is he going? Like, yeah. what is he doing? It's too secretive. You, I would always be like, no, like I don't want any company. Like I'm good. Yeah. Because like we were such assholes, and like we played, we like broke each other's balls so hard that I was like, you're not ruining this for me. Like, sometimes I want to just eat food and enjoy it, and yeah. I don't want to get my balls broken. And yes, it's in the middle of the neighborhood. and the, guess what? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The employees are nice, and yeah, maybe I get hit on by everyone in the neighborhood. Get a little confidence boost and a slice of pizza? It felt great. It's better than that. I'm walking. I'm like poking my butt out just so people know like, I'm on my way to get pizza. <laughs> I was hoping I didn't have to pay for it most nights. Mm. Paid for it every time. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah, I, I ate a lot of that after finding out about that place. That that pizza was that was like where I wanted to go when Excellent I when the pizza. clubs. I'm pretty out. sure they closed down. But yeah. 
excellent pizza. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you guys found me out. And you were like, why wouldn't you tell us? <laughs> I didn't want you to ruin it for me. I really uh, enjoyed going there. That's good pizza. Yeah, why would you keep a secret like that? Dude, another good food. Remember it wasn't a se- it wasn't to keep a secret from you guys. It was just to like have your thing. It was just to have my own thing. Yeah, because we all literally lived on, we lived on top of one another. Yeah, we did, and we lived off of pretty terrible food. Like I, Eric and I, and I think most of us lived off of the five 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 deal, the three pizzas for five bucks at Domino's that was up the street. You guys were more into the Domino's than I was. Well, for fifteen bucks, I can eat for like a week. It just got worse as the week went on, or you know, like. Yeah, you I didn't do that. that you know what I did? I did the from the place, the little place around the corner. It was like five bucks for like a burger and fries. Remember the that? Greek place? Yeah, yeah. I stopped getting anything there after I finally discovered the snack that they the grandmother used to make. It was uh, was that Greek pastry? It's like very flaky, like tons of layers. Baklava. Baklava. She used to make it fresh every day. Ah, balaclavas, which everyone's wearing now. (laughs) Baklava. Dude, it was good. Yeah, I like that place. I remember that. Wait, wait, why did you stop after you found out? What did you find out? Found out. Oh, I just, I mean, I stopped buying the burger deal once I found out how delicious baklava was, and then I just would eat baklava for a meal. And it doesn't look good. It just looks like a... It's a weird pastry, but it's so, like, gooey and honey. Anyway, it's delicious. I still like baklava to this day because of that. The other thing we survived on, or I, I mostly survived on, was getting change out of the couch from everybody that sat on it and lost their change. Um, and remember, I was surviving off of our Tuesday midnight runs to Philly Pretzel Factory. And how much, I mean, they, their pretzels were cheap. So you it wasn't like a, even the Philly Pretzel Factory. It was like Philadelphia Pretzel Company. Yeah, like it was legit. like the main you bakery buy, you for all of them. You buy like fucking 20 pretzels for like eight dollars yeah they're who deliver right because at midnight they would start running the trucks out and they had a little window well people would come in. people would come pick them up yeah. like like vendors and like if you owned a hot dog truck you yeah. would pick them up the night before um funny when i worked at vac that the bmw place like just like last year mm-hmm. i would stop there on my way into work and pick up pretzels for everyone and i was like reliving it yeah that's fun it was fun. The, it was nice. But was yeah, the, we would do the pretzel ride. It started yeah. at midnight on Tuesdays. Yeah, everybody met at the art museum, and at midnight, we would take off. And, and we it, would race. Yeah. It was not a race, but we would always race. And we would definitely be pissed when someone would show up first. And then yeah. we realized, hey, guys, we can just leave our house <laughs> at like 12.05 and beat everyone there. <laughs> yeah. Like, we can get there when they open. And we started, we were already there eating pretzels when people would ride up. Yeah. That's the level of lazy we got to. You know, it's funny when I got a job, instead of realizing that I can afford real food, I remember I was like, oh, I can get dipping sauces <laughs> at the Philly Pretzel Factory. And I remember like loading up, I'm like, I'll take one of those and one of the, I'll take five sauces, please. And you're like, you have caramel? Yes. Yeah, I'll take a caramel. Make it double. Dude, I lived on those pretzels though. Like that was what I survived off of in the beginning and then got the sauces and then moved up to the Domino's pizza. I was like, really, that was my climb to like, to fame. You know, or it's a good food. Would, it's a sustenance. Would you, have you shared or would you share why you hate cotton balls? Or is that too much? Would you share that with me off? No, I'll share with you. All right. So I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it's, it's not something you'd want to hear the details of. So, all right. So I have this like weird phobia of cotton balls. I don't like to touch them. They make my blood run cold. I know I'm not alone in that, but I have this like weird thing and everybody, I made a mistake of making it 
a point to like, hey guys, this is my one thing. Like, please don't do this. And it made it so weird that, of course, I'd always be waking up with cotton balls or people throwing them at me. Or um, I have a vivid memory. I can't explain it really, but I have a vivid memory of like a time of abuse when I was a kid, and I just remember always seeing cotton balls on the end table of this guy's like next to his bed. And I don't know why, but it's been like this thing that's like, it just makes me cringe and like, I feel trapped. I, it sounds really weird. No, but it's that's just, just like, that's the trigger. It's a weird trigger, but that's, it's a, it's, it is, that's what it is. It, it just brings back more than the memories or visually. I get the feeling that I had and that in those moments and it's like real hard. So you bastards. But I didn't want to share that with everybody. I was like, I don't know, looking back, I should have just said, hey, guys, like, I went through some stuff, and, like, it reminds me of it. You probably would have not made it a joke, so I kind of brought that myself, so don't yeah, feel bad. Yeah, you were just like, I hate cotton balls, and we were like, yeah, well, guess what, dude? We're going to give you fucking cotton balls now. Because yeah. it could have been one of those weird things that people are like, I don't know, just like a, one of those things that people just love to complain about. Yeah. But they don't actually. Um, the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about a little bit, like, conspiracies and like what is your what's happening there what's going on oh someone's letting the dogs out that's the side light where the oh. dogs go out it looked like a flashlight like everybody's getting home now oh no and I thought like you had this thing happen where like you were basically blacklisted from Facebook like before it was cool yeah and I thought that I always thought that was like interesting because I was like, man, I was probably like two or three, like I was probably two or three moments from being that person as well, just yeah. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know about it. Oh, like you are you asking me like what happened? I don't know like what happened. I just know like you just. I left Facebook. Yeah. Um. So. All right, so as you say, like we talked about before, like with the roller coaster, you know, when I went, I'm going to call it down. It's not that everybody I met, it was their fault, they're horrible people, but when I was on a down slope on that roller coaster of my life and like going into things I shouldn't have been doing, you know, I'd gain friends and then I'd come back up and I wouldn't see those friends. So on, you know, over the years, just like, I mean, a lot of us, I started gaining like multiple sects of people in my Facebook that were like living vastly different lives and I never unfriended them. So now like fast forward years out of this, I have like a, there's like leveling degrees of years that I build up different types of people on my Facebook that were into all different things. And when I started coming back around to like my faith, um, it's funny because my, my views on life and politics were always really where they're at now. I just, it wasn't, a thing that we always had to talk about like it is today. And so all these people that I was always around and that we always got along and all of a sudden they find out something about me and now all of a sudden we can't be friends. And I was like, that's weird. Like we've been friends and they're like, well, how dare you this? And I'm like, you understand, like I've never not believed this. And like, we were really close and I, I kind of got it, but it would hurt, you know, but it made it easier to kind of dismiss people in my life that were bringing me down as well. So I remember when I was like really like what brought me to where I'm at now, like the real change. Like when I was like, I, I left the city, I moved back into my mom's basement. Like I was like, I need to get away from everything, like every relationship, moved out to Spain. Um, anyway, 
I, oh, and that was also right after I got arrested. Like I thought I was going to jail for the rest of my life. And I was like, I need to straighten up and just be a good person when I go to prison. I can't let it ruin me. And then winded up not going. Anyway, um, I started just being very honest about things and posting things on Facebook. And this was before it was like just a place to fight. I guess it was kind of on its way there. So I would post things that I, I, looking back, they're extremely controversial. But at the time, I just thought they were just differing views. Like I'd post something about abortion. And it wasn't like anything about anybody who had an abortion. I was posting up like statistics and saying like, hey, this is really sad. Like, hey, there's a lot of different options out there kind of stuff. And it started out with the abortion thing. And then it started out, you know, with the Christian thing where I would post something and then just go about my day. And then I'd go back on and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, I would get, like, notifications that, like, my post was shared to, like, groups and things. Like, it was being sent out, like, to go after me. And so I'd have all these people I didn't know, like, sending me death threats and, like, horrific things um, privately. And then, like, family who had no idea what was going on would just read the post, not notice that there was, you know, reaching a thousand or, you know, a few thousand comments, something like they would post something and then people were going after them. And it was like this just malicious attack on stuff that I just didn't realize was so harmful to them, which it really wasn't. It was just people looking to be ugly. And it got worse and worse and worse to where I was just posting like regular things and getting the same re- results. And then people got a hold of some adult content that I was involved in, um, like produced. And they, I think somebody had gotten, oh, this was like when anybody could tag stuff and it would just show up on your wall. So like I wasn't on Facebook much because of this. And so there was a few times where like pornographic content would be posted up and I'd be tagged in it that people had found and it would just show up there and like it would be there for days, you know, and it wasn't being like or or however long until it was reported and taken down or it was a link to a website to where like it wouldn't be taken down. This was like early before algorithms were just shutting that stuff down. And it was just like people were on a mission to destroy me, and I didn't understand it. So just because of some, some blue. It wasn't even like politics at that point. It was really just being a Christian. That's like what pissed most people off. And it was weird because some people would say like extremely hateful things. Like there's one person in particular I can never forget. I'm not going to mention his name, but it's somebody that I like really was close with. Can you type it? Um, yeah, but he said some of the worst things to me, or maybe it hit hit the worst because of who he was and how close we were and like the things we were into together. Um, and then I remember being at a premiere of a movie in New Jersey. I have no idea how to spell that. Um, I think I, I think I got it, but I'm going to type in the first part because of a, sorry guys. I just, you know, I don't want anybody to go after any of these people. Yeah. So he had said some like just ridiculous stuff and it hurt. And then I remember like a couple of days later, I was in this movie premiere. I think it was for like a Star Wars movie. And he saw me there and comes over and is like, hey, dude, like, what's up? And I was like, what? And like, I reached out to hug like out of a reaction, but I was like, what is going on? And I realized that what was happening online was not reality. And that he didn't even realize like what he had said and how deep it hurt me. So I didn't hold it against him. I mean, it still upset me, but I, I was trying to just like be above all of it and what was happening. And so 
I started before I got off completely, I started private messaging certain people and saying, Hey, you know, what you said was really ugly. Like, I don't think you know who I am. If you'd like to meet me in person, I'll buy you lunch at any place, your choice, coffee, lunch, whatever you want. And let's share a meal and talk. And I would put that out to a bunch of people and a few of them actually reached out and said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be okay. And some of them apologized and just said, I don't feel comfortable with that, but I'm really sorry. I didn't think about this. And I started learning that early on that social media is not the place to hash anything out and that nobody wants to resolve an issue there. And people can be really ugly there, but when you're face to face, you're humanizing each other and it's not going to get to that level. That's like what the basis of like really the meaning of like what this podcast is. Yeah. is like if you and I weren't friends and had some differing views or especially some of the people I've had on here before, um, we're just having these conversations online. They'd get ugly real quick. And actually one of my guests, it did get ugly. I'm not going to say who, but it, it did get ugly um, on online, and then now I'm not gonna share. And then ugly, we had it one got ugly on the podcast. On no online, and then months later I had them on here, and it was like a beautiful time we shared together, and it was like back to normal. And I think it was just like something we both had to just learn and go through, and, we, and I was guilty of it too at that point. But and that was on Instagram because I've been on Facebook forever. But yeah, anyway, I got rid of my Facebook. I changed it to where nobody can post, nobody can tag, nobody can do anything after the the adult content was put up and I was just like humiliated and shamed by it. And, um, especially with like who I was trying to be and like the, anyway, I didn't, um, get, to, I didn't get to see that adult. Video. <laughs> I missed that. So I was absent that day from your Facebook yeah. post. And, and there was a point where like, what was your perspective? Did you see it any differently than what I'm saying? Cause did it seem like I was egging? Yeah. Tell so me, to be honest, I will be. So I, because I, I, I hear what you're I did saying. engage early on. You you did, and I think this is my perspective. My perspective was you were you were poking you were poking the bear for like a few months, like you were like at Trump rallies wearing a red hat. Oh, so this is actually way after that. What I'm talking about with Facebook happened years before before Trump or anything. Interesting. Yeah, so, this was like all right. So then I remember seeing. That I thought this was all related to. So like you doing the Trump thing and being like, and you were being comical about it. Like it was, it seemed like it was comedy driven more than political. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was a little bit of both for sure. <laughs> a lot of both. I like that fun. Uh, I know you do. And you also like to believe what you believe in. Yeah. Like, dude, the first time I voted ever was in this election, this past one. So like, I couldn't be upset with results. I didn't even vote. Mm-hmm. And, but, so I guess my perspective was wrong. I thought you were doing all this stuff with the Trump thing and then all that happened, but it turns yeah. out it was before. Yeah. Yeah. People love to be, people love to get, uh, like riled up about what they believe in. And it sucks that t- more people can't be in the middle. Yeah. Like, I wish I could be, like, a libertarian. I wish I could really be, like, an actual libertarian. But when you say that, like, when you register and you say you're a libertarian, you are, uh, you're, like, put in this weird fucking You're not accepted by people. either side. But what really what I want is, like, I don't want the government doing shit. Yeah. I want to be in control of more. I want to know, like, when I pay my taxes, I want it to be split up where I'm, like, how much of this is going to potholes? 
how much of it is going to schools. Taxation with representation. And exactly. And just like we would want, like when people donate, say you're a millionaire and you Mm -hmm. donate a million dollars to an organization, you have the right to be like, where's this money going? Yeah. If 25% of it's going to payroll, I want to change that. So I've heard arguments going both ways with this, with the ALS water bucket challenge. Do you know how much money was being donated to ALS research? Well, I know a remarkable amount was going to salaries. 7% was going to ALS research. You you donate $100, $7 is going to ALS research. Yeah. And, and so I thought that was ugly, but I did hear a different perspective on it. And I, I'd imagine some people take advantage. So a lot of it goes not just towards payroll, but advertising. And when you look at a company that puts most of the money towards the cause, they don't end up raising a lot of money. And then when you look at the companies that are putting an insane amount towards everything but the cause, or when you look at the amount that they're putting towards the cause, it's like astronomical. So you have to look at it as like the money versus the percentage. So it's like we yeah. put a billion dollars towards whatever, but really there was like seven billion that was totally yeah. Say they in. yeah. Say they got ten ten billion dollars this year for ALS, right? And then they donated that would be seven hundred million out of ten billion dollars. That sounds disgusting, right? Well, then you look up everybody else who's raised money for ALS and, and say if, it comes up to like, you know, $1 million. It's like, oh. Or even if it's $10 million, yeah. it's nothing. So, yeah, I guess percentage-wise, that, that makes sense. Like, you can be percentage-wise as long mm-hmm. as you're you're getting the uh, – they're getting more money. Yeah. Now, there are other companies who have done a lot more shady stuff. I'm not going to get into it because also I'd, I'd, I'd have to be like researching to give you stuff that would make more sense. No, but I, if you want to look into one, I would say look into the Red Cross. I would never donate to them in, in a million years. Yeah. But well, there's a lot of companies like that. You got you to like know what you're doing. I mean, there's a lot of like f- nonprofits that are really profitable. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And yeah. I mean, Carmen, there's churches. Yeah. Churches are a thing. Churches don't pay taxes. No. But and they, then you have like people like that fucking Joel Alstein or whatever yeah. his name is. It's like, fuck that guy. Yeah. So there's a lot. I was actually, I've talked like, about there's, this there's, on. There's people like all over like that just. Yeah. It's opportunists. Totally. Yeah. And who was the old guy who was like at the beginning of COVID? He's like, COVID. Is this the guy ni- that spit on it? COVID 19. I spit on you or something? Yeah. Like, or go I blow, away. Yeah. Um, so there is a sect of Christianity, and the, some of these weird things, a lot of them, they stray so far from the Bible. They're not biblical, but they'll like take one interpretation, skew it, and then they'll build like a whole foundation of their religion on that one skewed verse. And so like, I'm not trying to bash any of these people, but like some of them, I think really, including myself, like we should always be questioning like why we do what we do for our faith. And if it's not because the Bible is telling us to do that, then... Why are we doing it? Yeah. Um, and is it is it good or bad? Is it helping or hurting the you know the reason that we're doing this? And so I think a lot of people just find comfort in going to get a a TED talk on Sundays at a mega church in a football stadium by a guy who's famous and donating money and it's like a status quo and they feel good for the week. And you know, everybody's kind of getting what they want. Yeah. I, I um I guess I, I just, I don't see a, like religion for me was always like, seemed like a money grab and like a control thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
similar to how people feel about like the government saying you have to wear a mask. Mm. Like that's what I thought about going to church. Like I'm not getting anything out of this. Like I personally, like just like you go to church and you don't feel like that's the thing. That's how I feel about the mask thing. I'll totally just wear it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it helps other people feel comfortable and like, I didn't get COVID, so I guess... What are they doing? That's the dogs up there. That's, um, my, that's me banging the ceiling. So, I, I always thought of church. I remember the the moment I stopped, like I started to not believe. Mm -hmm. A couple traumatic instances happened when I was a kid. You know, a couple things lost some people in traumatic ways. And I was like, why the fuck would God do that and whatever your interpretation of it is that was just how i felt as like a 12 and 13 yeah, totally year old normal. i was just like why, yeah, why would this happen mm -hmm. why is this happening in this part of the world like why are all these things happening and then i remember well, like i flash back to a couple of years before that when i made my communion you make your communion you confess your sins yeah. and blah 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 and then before but before your communion you make your reconciliation instead of a white suit you wear a regular suit and you go in and you confess three sins. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions was, like, did you go to church on Sunday? I was like, no. And like, I was told to like say a Hail Mary because I didn't go to church. Yeah. And like, what blew my mind was like, how, how do I have to go to church but in the same church sermon, you tell me I can talk to God whenever I want. Like, what? what's so magical about these fucking walls mm -hmm. that, like, I have to come here to do it? So do you want to know what church actually is in the Bible? Yeah. Church is, is it's the body, it's the people. It's not the building. We call it that because it, it's just easier with our language and the way we speak, and we call it going to church, but church is actually the, the people. And, like, things like you're describing are some of the reasons why I started calling BS on, on Christianity at an early age and like really having to go out and search. And I found out that all the things I disliked about Christianity were not actually Christianity, but rather the people that added to Christianity their own things that were never meant to be and were not in the Bible. Like there's nothing in the Bible that says to go say Hail Mary's like, there's nothing, there's, it's just not there. Like so much of the Catholic religion is just like a comfortable practice that people are just used to. That is not Christianity. Like there's nothing Christian about that. It's just something that people set forth and do out of habit and comfort. And they, they're afraid to, to do it other ways. And they're afraid to break free from that. But you know, I was talking with Glenn on, a, on another episode that's, that's going to come out or maybe does is already out if you get, you know, I don't know how they want to release them, but you know, Glenn was talking about his walking away from faith and he talked about how, you know, he grew up and wanted this, like, you know, the Bible says that the things that Christ did, we all have the ability to do. And so a lot of people go out on a journey throughout their walk in faith, trying to gain those powers and gain those things. And so with Glenn, he described his path uh, in his faith, trying to like go up different tiers and like gaining different levels of Christianity and like becoming a better Christian. But all he described to me was his path of walking away from the Bible and into different sects of what people had planned as like, this is what you have to do to obtain this. But the Bible never spoke of any of it. 
And so I really think his biggest reason of hating what he considers the Christian faith, and this is my opinion, is that he doesn't hate the Christian faith. He hates the Christian, the people who claim to be Christian and the things that they had added on to make him feel so trapped. And so what is meant to be one of the most freeing things in life became the the jail cell that he felt he had to escape from. But he had walked into that jail cell voluntarily and shut the door and locked it. Nobody else put him in there. The Bible didn't put him in there. He put himself in there and thought that this was faith and then walked away from it because he didn't want to be in a jail cell anymore. And a lot of people have bad experiences with faith. And if you look back on it, it's not often the Bible or a scripture that upsets them. It's something a person did. And the thing is, as a Christian, the only thing you have to look at other than the Bible is people who say that they're Christians, and they're all going to fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that. So if you're going to look at the faulty end of something and base everything off of it, then you're you're going to just view it as something that's faulted. But it's really the people that are faulted and not the scripture. We're all just falling short of our calling as Christians. There's nobody that's a perfect Christian. That's why the example was Christ. He said, this is the, you know, I'm setting forth an example for you. This is what I want you to do. But he didn't say you're ever going to do it. He said, you're never going to obtain it. Like that's a level you're never going to reach. Yeah. And I get, so like, this is like, I don't want to say you lost me, but there's a commitment you have to that, that you keep finding that like I admire. Like the fact that you keep finding that, like you've lost it a million times. Yeah. You lost it hard. Yeah. We, we talked about that earlier and then you found it again. And I don't know what my version of that is. Like, I don't know what I've lost and found again, mm-hmm. but like that, you keep going back to it. So like, it means something to you. And like, well, from that perspective, like I respect it. And it's like, when I, when am I going to find it? I don't know. Well, have you ever found anything that was worth giving up everything to go back to? Because that's the only reason I'm having that is because I found something that has over the years been worth giving up everything to go back to because there was nothing compared to it. Well, I mean, I, I've done that with... Hold on a second. I got to figure out what's going on there. All right. Uh-huh. And we're back. Sorry about that. The dog was driving me nuts. Uh, that sound was the dog eating a bone in my kitchen floor above us. Someone let them out of the kitchen or out of the living room. Anyway, we're back. Yeah, I, I guess I've never. I've always seeked like friendship for that. I've always seeked like a different sort of friendship, mm. and whether that's like the community I built with you guys, like we had together, uh-huh. when that went away, like I found a new a new chapter in my life, which is bike racing. Mm-hmm. And then I got away from that and then it was jujitsu. And now like I've found a balance in my thirties where it's like, you can do all these things and be happy. Yeah. Now I have a wife. And one thing I found that's, that made our relationship really healthy is we both have hobbies and they're hobbies we could do together or separately. Like she, she's a runner. Mm-hmm. I got into running with her this past, like last year. I did like a 50K with her, like fucking 30 mile run and realized like, hey, this is your thing. 
I'm going to let you do it by yourself. <laughs> um, and just like a bike ride, like I would never, did you see the bike ride I just did? No. So, Sorry. <laughs> um, what I just did like at the end of April. Maybe I, I, I mean, I get a I'll, notification whenever I'll, you post. I'll show you. Um, you're on my, you're on my notify me when they post. Um, so I, uh, say thank you. That's great. Say thank you. Thank you. Um, so I did this bike ride. It's something that it's called crush the Commonwealth Mm -hmm. and it's a bike race slash ride that goes from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia, 380 miles, 18,000 feet of climbing. Uh So a little bit further than the rides we used to do when we were younger. Yeah, I'd say so. But it alternates. So odd number of years, it goes from Pittsburgh and ends in Philly. That's ideally the way I would want to go so I can end at home. Yeah. I did that end of April. It was 380 miles, 18,000 feet. Um, we did it in 40 hours. Four zero. That's so. crazy. But that was like a lot slower than we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 175 miles the first day, 207 the second day or something like that. Um, and I've always like leaned into like struggle in a different way, whether it was like BMX, like pushing myself to like my limit where I was breaking my body. Mm. These endurance rides, jujitsu, where it's like fucking the hardest thing I've ever done. I've, that's always been my thing. Like I've, I've, I've always gone to like some sort of like, not even like an athletic thing, just like a, something that can take my attention for hours. When I got out of bike, when I got out of jujitsu and I got out of bikes, I was like really into just doing whatever I wanted with my cars. Just insane projects. Buying cars, getting rid of them. It, you've owned... How many cars do you think you've owned? 70. I think that number is really short. I think it's about 70. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think it's about 70. And, it, and it's really just because like I needed something to focus time on. And uh, that can be... That can be a detriment too because then you're not focusing time on like maybe your your household, your wife, your family. Mm -hmm. So like, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to find a balance and like, do I need to spend 12 hours doing something or can I spend like three hours and then like go enjoy the day with my wife? Like I'm, I'm, I'm I'm trying to find a balance now. Um, and I think church does that for a lot of people. It like levels them and it gives them like a, a sense of like purpose and, um, it's like a community and like, but more than a community, it's a, it's a, it's like a refreshment too. It's the thing you do to like cleanse yourself to, to re reset. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you gotta think about it. The, the closest you're going to be uh, to God is when you're around a bunch of people who all want the same thing, despite what they might be doing during the week. Like they're all there on Sunday because that's what they want. Right. Or, or let's, let's assume that. So when you're around a bunch of like-minded people, you're going to become stronger in what that like-mindedness is. And so it is like a refresher, like where you get in there and it's like, all right, I'm going to reset. You think about the things that you maybe fell short on that week. And it's not about being condemned or feeling guilty for it. It's just like a reset. Like, all right, uh, here we are. We're all studying, you know, what we believe to be the word of God together. We're conversating with one another. We're supporting one another. And now we are like ready to go out in the week because as humans... We often like set out to do things and quit, right? That's just most of us. Unless you're, uh, what's his name? What's that book you posted? Uh, what's that guy? He was on Rogan. 
Oh. He was like 400 pounds, and now he's like the crazy Marine dude. A Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL. David Goggins. Yeah, unless you're David Goggins. Most people just want to quit things shortly after. So church is really like acknowledging the fact that we are always going to fall short and walk away from some things like because of distractions and that you can't, we can't even make it a week before the distractions start coming in. And it's kind of like a way to just clean the slate each week. Yeah. That's like a, a very simple way of putting it. Yeah. Well, and I respect that. And I just, I, I never, I so, think I just had such a relationship with like misery mm-hmm. that like, I felt like God never helped, you know, that I just, yeah. I just closed that chapter in my life and just like, I've been living my life. Well, let me share some. Are you opposed to the idea of God? I'm not trying to convert you. I just wanted to share something, but I'm just curious before I share it. Get, you, off, get off my back. Now, are you opposed to it? What do you mean? Opposed like, to do it? you, are you, I guess what is called agnostic? Like, do you believe there's a God? You're just not sure what it is, but you're kind of like open or you're just kind of searching or are you like, there is nothing I, I'm upset. Uh, well, it's funny because like, that's a hard question to answer because I don't, I don't have like one view on it, but like, for instance, example, uh, you know, I would never be like, please God do this for me. But in this weird way, I will like, something might happen. Like I, when I lost my grandpa, that was probably the worst thing that happened. You met my, you knew my grandpa, you, you knew my grandpa guy. and you knew amazing how guy. close I was with yeah. him. He was my dad. He was my mom. He was like, he was like all these people oh. in one person. And when I lost him, like my life changed completely. Like when he died, my entire life changed. I, I quit riding bikes completely. Like I didn't touch them for two years. Um, I just like lost, I didn't care about stuff. I was just like completely lost. And I didn't realize like, there was like this glimmer of my childhood I was holding on to. Then he died. And like something changed in me. But in a weird way, it's like, I don't know what that means when like, I'll talk to him. I don't know what that is. Talk to him as in God or? Like talk to my grandpa. Okay. Like when I'm upset or like broken down. Like there'll be times, not in the past year, but like, the first couple of years after he died, like I would break down just like midday. Like if I was at home alone and thinking about him, I'd like come across a picture. Mm-hmm. Actually, it happened not long ago. I was like, I have these toolboxes of his and I was cleaning out my garage and I found like, so I have dyslexia and I fucking can't spell and I really can't read well. Just like a, my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I'm super mechanically inclined. I could, you could do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, can write a, whatever. But, like reading and writing, fuck, I suck at it. God, I suck at it. I like really suck at it. Um, and I found this letter that he was writing for his retirement. And I'm convinced he died because he retired. Like he retired and then like six yeah. months later he was dead, which happens a lot. Yeah. To people who don't retire early when they retire late. And uh, I found this letter and like I remember just crying when I found it because like, he was also dyslexic and like couldn't write. And like, it was like a couple, it was like the same letter just written a few times, but he like messed up. Yeah. And, uh, there was like a point in the, I wish I could remember what it said, but it was just like something that struck and it was like reason for leaving or like something like that. 
And it was just like, wish me luck or something. It was something like so simple, like something like so endearing where it's just like, I remember crying and just being like, fuck pop. Like, like this is hard to find. Like, why'd you let me find this? So I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know what it is where I'm like thinking he's the reason I found it. I think it's a coping mechanism. Like we want to stay close to these people that we don't have the ability to have that. But what is it that I, but what is it that I believe there's like a, there's a version of him that's hearing it. You know, it's like, that's the part. I think that's a coping thing. Right. I only say, I mean, that's my thought. I don't know. But for me, like I have pictures of my dad. You saw them when you got here on the fridge. No, but you brought up God. No, no. But I'm I'm saying like, so I have pictures of my dad on the fridge. I leave them eye level because every time I fill up my cup of water, which I drink water all the time unless I'm doing this, and I often will talk to him. And I don't believe that he's listening, but it it feels good to kind of just like give myself this like false reality that I am talking with him and it, it's comforting. Sometimes I'll ask him questions. I'm like, this is real personal, but yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll ask him questions and not audibly. Like I'm just in my head talking. I'm just like, often I'll be like, dad, like, why did you do it? Like, why didn't you fight? Like, why didn't you? Uh, I have this suspicion that my father killed himself. And I'll ask, I'll ask him that. Did you? Like, did you do it? Like, did you do that? Like, why? If you, anyway. But, but is that related uh, to what all, like your faith at all? The, no, I, it's not real. It's just, it feels good. I miss Is that him. something that Christians so believe we, like do we, they believe that like there's an afterlife? Yeah, so like we believe that the whole point of us being here and why bad things happen is because God created a perfect garden of Eden, created Adam and Eve and gave them told them don't eat of the garden of knowledge, right? Of good and evil. And didn't do anything to stop them other than telling them like I don't want you to do this. They chose to do it. So they had that free will. And once they had the knowledge of evil, it, it was all lost. Like God and evil are complete opposites. They're polar opposites. They can't mesh. So God created them to have a unifying relationship with them in this garden, right? In this like perfect heaven type place. But once they knew about evil, he knew that evil would soon enter into them and they couldn't have this closeness. So thus began what Christians believe is everything from that point to now which is we're all living in this place where evil stuff happens because sin is in the world. Our bodies decay. Disease is here. It's like we've, we've, we're living the aftermath of evil being introduced to man. And this is our one life and our one chance to choose to accept that Jesus was the son of God and that he died for all of the sins that we could possibly carry on our backs so that when we die, it says that we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. Meaning the second we die, we're, we're face-to-face with God, you know, at the at entrance to heaven. And you're going to hear, the Bible says you're going to hear two things. You're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, and be entered into heaven. And what that means is that you've accepted Jesus dying on the cross as payment for your sins. And so when God looks at you, the sin is washed clean, and you can then be with him in a place that evil does not exist and cannot ever exist, which is heaven. And then hell would be the other response, which is, I know you not, because you didn't have a relationship with him and all he can see on you is sin. And if he was to let you into heaven, this whole cycle would begin again. So that is like the, in a nutshell, what it all is. And so going deeper into that, 
the people that die, they are immediately before God, and then they they venture to heaven or hell. Which hell is really the the bad the worst part about hell to me is just a separation from God. Like we think stuff's bad here, but God is here, control like allowing these things to happen and take place and trying to intercede in our lives to lead us to him so that when the stuff happens, he can comfort us and say, This is not your home. These things that seem so horrible, it's it's this is temporary. This is your time to just choose me and understand that things are not the way they were meant to be, but they will be for eternity. You look at this life and you see these 80 years that you might be promised as like the end all be all, but I'm telling you eternity awaits beyond this. So instead of choosing yourself during this little blip, choose me and you will have everlasting life. So if the if the people die and they're in heaven, then they are they're in a different place and they are not hearing us and they're not listening to us. But I think it is very comforting, and I think it's a natural human reaction to do things like that. Like I said, I mean, I don't believe that my dad hears me, but I do it, and it feels good. Like it yeah. feels, it, you know. Um, sometimes I'll I'll remember something and say, "You remember that, dad?" And I'll laugh. Like it's, I think a lot of us do that stuff. But um, yeah, the, I um the, the thing I wanted to show you though before I forget, or I'll let you again. No, no, that that's all. So no, I didn't want to segue too far into religion. Well, you, the, you the would, last thing I'll say you, with this, you deep. <laughs> the last thing I'll go with this is um, Matthew 7, 7, the verse, and says, and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And that's a verse I, I like to always share with people who are just like, hey, I've never had that moment or, I've, you know, I just don't know. I, I challenge them to, to follow this verse. If any, if any verse, just this one. What this says is that if you're seeking God, he's also seeking you. He's in your life every day, every minute. He's constantly doing things to try and poke at you to say, hey, I'm here, but you're not, you're not getting it. So he's saying, if you, if you want to know me and you want to know if I'm real or you want to feel me and have this experience, then knock, meaning seek me out. So if you seek God with all your heart, he promises to answer. Now, that looks different for everybody. And you can be dismissed if you explained it to somebody. Most of the things I would tell you where I felt like he answered, you can easily dismiss and laugh, but I felt them to a degree that is beyond the reality that we have here. And we all have experienced things that are, are euphoric, right? So it's, it's on that kind of level. So I would challenge you, if you, do, if you don't hate the idea of it, then in your own private way, in your own private time, just between you and God, whether you believe in him or not, is to, to, with all your heart, seek him out and that he promises to answer. And that's, that's probably like one of the most important verses, I think, for, I guess, somebody in your, in your shoes. Whether you yeah. believe it or not, it's kind of like, sure. no, you know? I, I heard it. I, um, Yeah. <laughs> we can move uh, on. I, I'm not trying yeah. to like. Yeah, no, and I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to sit, drag like, you in. Well, yeah. I also don't want to. So I hate to compare it to this. No, go for it, dude. I'm, I'm not. So like, I I don't. What you're doing is you're trying to get me to feel something you feel, so I can be happy. No, I'm literally saying if if you are just curious and want to know like what that is, 
he will answer in whatever way you're looking for. I'm not saying you're going to get a feeling. It might be somebody comes up to you and says something totally bizarre and answers something like that nobody else would know about. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. It's here's the thing. It's going to be whatever you need to know and acknowledge what you were looking for. And nobody on earth is going to know what you need to have that transformation except for God. And that's what I believe. True. So. <laughs> what else do we have to talk about? <laughs> we can talk about whatever else. I just wanted to share um, that. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I do. And I always have. And like we've always, like you, Eric, all of the the whole house. Wait, oh, you're talking about something else? You, I'm talking about... I was waiting for you to put the money in the offering because I just... <laughs> Oh yeah, this is where this is the donation part of the church. Um, no, like you guys were always Christian, and I always wasn't, and like we were still friends, mm-hmm. and like it didn't affect anything. And I think like from your perspective, that'll be a rough conversation when I die. You know, like at the at the end. But from my perspective now, I'm just not there, and I just don't, and, it, and I have no, like, my, the person I cared most for, my grandpa, was very religious, and, like, cared deeply, so I have no problem with it, I just, the the portion of my life I dedicated to anything, like, religion-wise, didn't pay off for me, so I stopped, and who knows? Hopefully I have a long life to live and I have a lot of experience to gain, but. I would always challenge everybody, and this is religion aside, this is just everything in life, is that none of us can ever say that we're 100% right and that we are 100% like knowledgeable on anything. And I think it's healthy and beneficial for us all to constantly challenge any of our beliefs and be okay with it changing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm open to change. Um, I just don't foresee it today no i Um, did i I, I I get it i know i know you do it's just like the same like aaron and i have friends that are like pretty passionate vegans and i'm not i'm not like i'm I'm doing for my own reasons and like i would never be like like when i got here you showed me a t-bone i was excited about that it looked, it looked. I wasn't even thinking about the vegan thing when I showed you. I was just very excited about my. Yeah, you are very excited yeah. about it, and but I would never, just like when I start a job, for instance, when I start a new job, and like people are like, "Hey, we're buying lunch. You want anything?" Even if I do, I say I brought my own lunch. Just like when I was straight edge and I went to parties, and people would be like, "You want to drink?" And I'd be like, "No, nah, I'm driving." That would end the conversation. I never had to say I was straight edge. Hmm. So like the same with veganism, it's like, I'm not going to tell you why. Yeah. And I'm not comparing <laughs> veganism to being Christian. No, I, I actually get what you're saying. It's just, but like, it, I just, yeah. it's one of those things where like, when the time comes, when, when God is with me every day, as you just said, like they're with well, me. Well, that's now. I believe, I believe. No, I know you do. So it's like, if that's the case, there might be a moment where I'm like, oh shit, bro, you were here this whole time. That's crazy. Let's chill. There's a funny story. Because um, this could be that moment for you. And I'm, I'm not pushing any further than that. But the the story is that there's a man in his home and his town floods. And there's warnings. This flood is coming. Everybody evacuate. And the man says, I'm not going anywhere. God's going to protect me. 
and the flood comes and he goes up to the second floor and the third floor. And now he's on the roof and the water's still rising and he's praying out to God, please, God, like, I'm asking you, please save me. And a man comes by on a boat and says, hey, like, do you, do you need help? I'm, I can take you. And he goes, no, like, God is going to save me from this. And then a helicopter comes and tries to save the man. And the man says, no, God is going to save me. And then the water continues to rise and the man dies. And when the man's before God, he says, God, I prayed to you with all of my heart. Like, why didn't you come and save me? He says, I sent you a boat and a helicopter and all the warnings on the TV. Like, it's not always going to be the way we think. It's not going to be like the light, you know, the skies open up and and the rays come down and you start rising up off the ground. It's going to be through people and through nature and through whatever it needs to be for you. Through what's here. Yeah. If it's already here. Yeah. It's not going to be like a magical thing. You're going to feel it on a different level than what it would have been had it not been God reaching out to you. I mean, that's, that's my belief and that's my experience. Something, that's why I said I wouldn't share some of the things because it would just sound silly to, and it could be easily dismissed. And that's why a lot of this stuff is laughed at. But experiencing it and explaining it are very different things. And so that's why he says, he doesn't say, hey, knock on the door and I'm going to show up with, you know, a chicken dinner for you. He says, knock and I'll answer. And that answer is broad. Fuck because you if you show anything. up to my house with a chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting. I meant the not chicken chicken. <laughs> Jack, that's jackfruit. <laughs> that was jackfruit that I ate? We had pulled pork. That was jackfruit. And there goes your water. <laughs> yep. I'll get that. One. Actually, I'm going to get it now because if I forget, Aaron will be pissed. Right. That's her. Uh, that's her water bottle? Oh, my gosh. Do I need to edit this out that you no. knocked it over? Yeah, Aaron's going to listen to this. <laughs> She's in no danger of listening to this podcast. Um, Actually, she might. She might. All right. Well, we should wrap it up. Yeah, we are. I was just going to ask you, um, what's something, I don't know, that you got out of this conversation or anything you want to share just to add that I'm not going to counter to or anything, just something for you? I, well, one, I appreciate, like, I reached out. They're like, yeah, I would be on. And I, well, I appreciate that I'm here, number one. Um. And I appreciate that we don't agree on a lot of stuff, but we're still like really good. I feel like we're really good friends still. And like, I care about you and the stuff that we don't agree on doesn't matter. Man, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Like the stuff that we don't agree on literally doesn't fucking matter. Like I, I don't had, had I, if someone meets you and they don't know anything you believe and they don't like you, fuck that person. Now, if someone develops an opinion based on your beliefs, that's also weird. Um, unless your beliefs are hurting people or unless your beliefs are like racist or, or fucked up, you know, then, then it really shouldn't matter. Yeah. It's like your, your views on abortion, for instance, obviously they're Christian backed and, and, and like, are you asking me or I'm like, just from my perspective, like they're obviously like driven by your religion and your love for people and whatever. And there's other arguments for it. Well, I will say it's, I'm not, I'm not going to counter anything, but I'll just say my, my feelings towards abortion are the people involved aside. It's purely, I'm just sad that children 
are the, dying. I believe that they are children. I believe they're dying and it hurts. That's it. And I don't, we don't have to go into that. And a, but. and a huge portion of the country agrees with you. Oh. And I don't have an opinion on it. That's at, okay. At all. Which is like weird in itself. But I've also never been with anyone who's been pregnant that I know of. And like, I don't know if had, like, for instance, if, if, if someone were pregnant and then they, they lost that baby, I don't know how I would feel about someone who had an abortion voluntarily, you know? Yeah. Like you, like, and some people take that as like disrespectful. Like, do you realize what you're giving away? Do you realize what you're doing? Um, so like, I like that we can just live these separate lives mentally, Mm -hmm. but then be friends. Yeah. And I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we just got to reminisce a little bit. Yeah, that was fun, And we just got to go through the uh, memory lane. lane. Yeah, I hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Or we did. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, and I think that's something that everybody can really take. Um, I'm gonna just piggyback on that. It's just, I agree. Um... Like I said, that's one of the biggest reasons I started this. Or one of the biggest like pushes I want to have is that people living totally separate lives can still care for one another and still have a relationship with one another. And you don't have to hate somebody because you disagree. Like some things, maybe, yeah. Like I'm sure you can get to that level. But most of the stuff that we think we need to hate the person for doesn't matter. No. And at least not between you and that person. Exactly. I also know why Ali was hitting his head on this. Why? Because he's so tall. Yes. Yeah. Cord is so short. I left it short for that reason. I was protecting you. That's a lie. No, but like that's why he was sitting so close to this edge. Oh, oh. Because oh, I can okay, imagine okay. if I were up as high as uh, him. If I were up as high as him. Yeah. Uh, you got to stand up to be at his height when he was sitting. He's so tall. Yeah. Would it would. You'll have to listen. We go through the whole thing. I, I know. I, I Does he describe what part of his hand is missing? Yeah. yeah he, we go through the whole thing. I will listen. Yeah. Okay. All right, dude. All well, right. Listen, thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for reaching out. I'm really glad you came. We got to do this. Me too. All right. Oh, where can, uh, where can people find you if they want to look you up and torment you? Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, wholesome. Wholesome. Instagram name, uh, poop joke. <laughs> That's P O O P joke. That's one word, no underscores. I got to it early. Now there's a bunch of accounts that say poop joke. I am the original. The original. In fact, if you want to have some fun, you should YouTube that. You can yeah, get you some could. interesting YouTube videos. We both do. Anyway, yeah. all right, we'll leave it at that. Thank you guys for, uh, for joining us. And, uh, until next time. Later. If our world falls down tomorrow, you be sure I'll be there with a net to catch the pieces falling. And I was always there. And I was always there. I was always. up for time lost Ayo, ayo, feels like I'm
said 